Cleveland's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Yes, come on in, stay a while. We'll be here till 6 o'clock tonight, three straight hours of Sports Talk Radio right here on 620 CKRM as we are approaching kickoff. I know it's still a couple days away, but it's an early start time on Saturday. Touchdown Atlanta, keep that in mind. It's a 2 p.m. kickoff, so you can wake up, you know, get the eggs on the grill or on the stove, get the pancakes going, maybe some sausages, maybe some hash browns, mmm, food. And then uh, tune in to Countdown to Kickoff with Daniela Ponticelli right at 11 a.m. Up and early, we'll be at it. Today's show is for the Canadian Brew House. Speaking of food, uh, their new summer feature menu, including jalapeno popper dip hangover helper, new candlestick fries, and so many other features, flavors, and cocktails. Are you hungry yet, Blaine Wyland? <laughs> I was hungry before I even walked in here. Great way to start the show. Usually usually you do this at 5 o'clock, I thought. That's true. I'm I'm starting things off early today. Well, the Riders, they are leaving a bit early to Halifax uh, this week. Uh, A bit earlier, considering, you know, usually they leave the day before a road game. But since you're flying across the country, it's like the equivalent to flying from, like, Toronto to, like, Ireland, basically. Like, that's a long ways. So the Riders, I believe they left at 2 p.m. today. I could be wrong, but the Riders uh, had a bit of a walkthrough and then uh, boarding the plane, hopping on that charter, heading out to Halifax, Nova Scotia, right in Halifax this year. Last year, remember, it was in Wolfville, Nova Scotia. So fingers crossed, my fingers are crossed, that the Wi-Fi will be a bit better this year because, whoo. I don't know what was going on if there were if there were some like chipmunks nibbling at the wires or something in Wolfville last year, but that was rough at oh, times. Come on. Oh, come on, Zinger! You've never bored up a junior A hockey game where a guy, <laughs> I'm sure Ballsies can, can come up with a story like I can that uh, you know uh, either whether doing a game on a cell phone, uh, you know, you need like a hundred feet of phone line to connect to your uh, unit. Uh, but uh, no, no, all jokes aside, I, I understand totally. You want that? Uh, you want that to be up in order for Saturday. Well, I'm just I'm picturing the stadium. The stadium is going to look m- more like a stadium, I guess, this year compared to Wolfville last year. Wolfville very small. This stadium still small, but a lot of like, uh, how do you say, a pop up seating has been added for the game on Saturday. Yeah. So, and I'm guessing I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say it if. The Atlantic schooners do happen eventually. That is probably more than likely going to be the location for them on campus there at St. Mary's University. Am, am I nuts for saying that or, or what? No, uh, Brett Lowther, he was talking on Tuesday and he mentioned that's a possibility yeah. that they should look into, at least for the first couplers. I think it's, you know, if they are going to eventually expand out to the East Coast, they're going to need a situation where they need a temporary uh, fit or like yeah. a stadium like Husky Stadium where they can retrofit it for a couple of years before they could get something more permanent. Like I don't think they're going to be able to walk in with a permanent brand new stadium. No. Uh, they're no. going to have to. They're going to have to get creative, and they're going to have to figure out this tenth. T- I think I just want a tenth team so bad. Wouldn't that be nice for the for, the for everyone? <laughs> I know Arash Madani said earlier this week as well. That's a strong possibility of uh, 
you know, St. Mary's University being the location for that 10th franchise. We will hear from Arash Madani on today's show right at 4.05 p.m. after the 4 o'clock news. And very excited to talk with this guy at the bottom of this hour around 3.30-ish. Cameron Brantley of your Regina Red Sox. He's a home run monster, this guy. He hit a walk-off home run the other night at Curry Field. And I believe it was on Tuesday or Wednesday. All the days are blending together because the Sox have been playing at home like every single day this week. But Cameron Brantley hit another home run this week. So I thought, I want to talk to that man and I want to talk to him live on the air. So we are, we're going to give him a call right at 3.30 and talk with Cameron Brantley of your Regina Red Sox. And I believe he's from... I should know this by now. I announce, I introduce him every single day. I think he's from Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. Sure, yeah. yeah. I think he's playing ball at uh, North Carolina A&T, yeah, some, I believe. Yeah, so I can't wait to talk with him. And Ben Whiting with our Play Now picks. It's another week of Canadian Football League action coming up here. Uh, the week starts off tomorrow. There's no Thursday night game tonight, so uh, keep that in mind if you're you know driving home after work and thinking ah, I can't wait to watch some CFL tonight gonna kick my feet up watch some football no you're not because there's no well you can watch a replay but there's no live games tonight so uh, the week in the Canadian Football League uh, starts tomorrow with uh, Ottawa and Hamilton and more on that game in just a second a lot of news coming in about that game tomorrow uh, Glenn Suter with press coverage as well at 5.30 and uh, in a few moments as well we will hear from Peter Godber your starting center for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders and yes you heard that right Peter Godber Looks like he will be back in the lineup this week after missing last week. And uh, that's good news for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But about that game that I just mentioned, the the CFL opener for the week tomorrow, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, they're going to have their franchise quarterback in the lineup when they take on the Red Blacks on Friday. As Bo Levi Mitchell, he's ready to roll. So, uh... Trying to think back to his injury. That was a long time ago. What, six, seven weeks? Whatever it was. It was week two, correct? Blaine, I think yeah. it was week two. Yeah, it was week two, yeah. Week two. So that's not the only news coming out for this game tomorrow night, though. Friday night. Football night. The Ottawa Red Blacks. They are, as we all know, already surging. And the team is set to get a trio of former All-Stars back in the lineup tomorrow night. Uh, we know this guy well. Receiver Shaq Evans. He's going to be back. Linebacker Javon Santos Knox. He's back from that uh, hamstring injury. And defensive back Ariel Brooks, all scheduled to make their debuts for the club after being acquired as free agents this offseason. So even more of a reason to tune in tomorrow night, which is going to be a pretty good football game, I think. You know, this is a battle of two teams vying for a jockeying, if you will, for a playoff position here at the end of July, early August. I don't know if it's too early or not to talk playoffs, but here I am talking about it. But let's talk about your Saskatchewan Rough Riders because, of course, the big game coming up on Saturday. And the injury report is out. And speaking of out, these are the guys that will not be on the field for your green and white guys here on Saturday in Nova Scotia. Mitch Picton, he got absolutely smoked 
this past game over the middle. He's still out with that concussion. Kean Schaefer-Baker, he is on the injury report. He is still out with that hip injury. Brian Cox Jr., this is a big loss for the Rough Riders. He is out with a knee injury. Rodney Clemens, defensive back, out with an ankle. And Matt Dean, out with a foot injury. So one thing to note, though, which is good news for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I already mentioned Peter Godber. He's going to be back in the lineup starting at center. But Anthony Lanier II, he is going to be back. Seems like a long time since we've seen him play football. And he's going to be back for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, which is big because, as I just said, Brian Cox Jr., he's not going to be out there and you know can't afford to lose any more guys along the defensive line. The other one to note, Colin Kelly, he didn't practice yesterday. Uh, Colin Kelly, he's uh, he's good to go. So he's going to be starting at right tackle for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So this is kind of shaping up. I know Peter Gobber is back in the lineup this week, but maybe for the next couple games here, we can get the starting five guys in there for consecutive weeks. Brandon Council, left tackle, he's going to be back in there. You know, you got Evan Johnson, you got Logan Furley, you got Peter Godber and uh, Colin Kelly. So uh, I think going forward, that's going to be a big uh, key to success for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders as far as, you know, especially with a backup quarterback in there, Mason Fine. It's going to be a, I think it's going to, I don't know if we got your prediction earlier this week, Blaine Wyland. I don't know. This would be your first time on the cage. How do you see this game kind of developing on Saturday? Because I've been kind of going back and forth. Uh, I was talking with a listener, with a fan on the air uh, during Colin Lovequist's shift just a few hours ago. And he basically said that he sees this game as a low-scoring game. And that's the first time I heard that take. I was thinking... Okay, maybe, you know, two teams going out east, neutral site game, you know, whole lot of Ryder fans in the crowd. I started kind of weighing it, and I was thinking to myself, okay, but uh, at the end of the day, it comes down to the players, it comes down to the personnel, it comes down to who has the most talent, it comes down to who makes the most plays, who executes. So long-winded, but how do you see this game developing on Saturday? You know, um, I think the point spread's at about 10.5. I feel like the Rough Riders are going to cover that. Like, yeah. I think they're going to keep it close. Um, it's just, it's how this offense is going to rebound this week. You know, the last week you don't score a touchdown. Despite the fact you have four turnovers, uh, you won, I think they won two out of three facets of the game last week, and they didn't come away the victory. So I think it's, it's on the offense this week. I think that it's pressure the rebound from last week. So I'm interested to see how they rebound this week against another. It's not easy. You're facing the, probably the best team in the CFL with the Toronto Argonauts. So I'm interested to see how they rebound this week. Um, I think it was a situation, you know, they got a, they got, um, they got to let Mesa Vaughn go loose this week. You mm-hmm. know, I think it was a little bit of limited, limited game plan, uh, offensive scheming. I think they were kind of protecting him too much. You know, they got to give him some chances. They got to let him open up the offense a little bit and be less conservative. Yeah. And I'm looking to see that this week. I think that's a big thing for them. I think they also need to give him you know, a little more time to throw the ball. It seemed like whenever they weren't rolling the pocket out on those kind of play act or not play action, but uh, the the shotgun rollouts to kind of buy himself a little more time. Outside of that, I can't really think of many plays where he had time just sitting in the pocket. But honestly, though, do you think I 
This and then I don't got a scientific stat to prove yeah. it, but I honestly think he, the quarterbacks are getting way more time in terms of pass protection than last year. Mm-hmm. I'm not, and I'm not saying that's not saying much, but I will also say this too: this year on the ground game, the offensive line has not been good as last year. Last yeah. year they're really solid in the ground game. This year not as much. They have had their moments in the fourth quarter this season. But I think they've been better, a little bit better in pass protection, but not as good in the run, run blocking. And they still need to be better in pass protection as well. And we we know one thing, too. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, man, they cannot uh, have the ball around midfield as many times as what they did versus BC against Toronto and for it to have like the same outcomes. Like They need to turn those you need short to, fields into some kind of points. because Anytime you have those turnovers, you can't win with field yeah. goals. You need touchdowns. Yes. I mean, you can't win with no touchdowns. Plain and simple. I think that's just... You know, last week I thought we've you know, we've seen hundreds and hundreds of Rough Rider games, and sometimes they're hard to analyze. That was what I thought last week was one of those games where it was so easy to pick it out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I thought it was pretty, pretty clear, black and white last year, last week of what stood out and what needs to be done this week. Yeah, and Kelly Jeffrey, offensive coordinator, he said yesterday when uh, Michael Ball asked him about uh, Frankie Hicks, and we haven't really seen him much so far this year, and I know he's been a bit banged up, but. I have my fingers crossed. I'm kind of hoping that uh, maybe we can find something. Nothing nothing against Jamal Morrill, great running back, man. But uh, maybe something as a change of pace. Maybe throw out a, a few new wrinkles, if you will. Maybe see if it can kickstart this offense a bit. And we were talking about the offensive line starting to get a bit healthier here. And uh, Colin Kelly will be in the lineup starting at right tackle, as well as his line mate, center, Peter Godber, and we caught up with him before he uh, charted that flight. Yeah, just, just a hand injury. You know, the guys, the guys worked hard. They uh, they put in the hours, and they and they're physical. And we just gotta, you know, continue to get better up front. And uh, the guys, the guys held it down, and I'm excited to get back with the boys. Have you ever been to the Maritimes, or is this your first time heading out there? So I went to high school, uh, you know, when I was in grade 11, but I haven't been back since. So what do you remember from that? What are you kind of excited to maybe see out there? You know, I saw. I think I. I think it was Theodore the tugboat I saw when I was there. So I'm not sure if he's still there. It's been. Uh, it's been ten years, but I hope he is still there because I, I love to see him. I love to eat some lobster. I mean, but we, you know, make no mistake. We came there to, to win a football game, and, and that's all our mindset is. Going to be a lot of rest and a lot of, uh, you know, watching film and talking, talking it out with the guys how we th- see things, and, and we're there to play football. We, uh, we know how important the center is when it comes to calling out the blitzes and everything, helping protections. Does your job change a little bit with having a quarterback who doesn't have as many starts like Mason Fine or no? No, not at all. Uh, you know, in football, the only thing you worry about is your job and, and doing your thing. So Mason Fine's a great quarterback. I actually played against him for multiple years in college. He played at North Texas. I played at Rice. And I don't think I beat Mason Fine once. He was a, a great player in college, and he's a great player in the pros. And you know, we just gotta we gotta do a good job protecting him because he can really play football. He's a good football player. What have you seen from him in the college and the pros now that translates into him being a pro starter? You know, he's a great leader. All, all quarterbacks uh, have similar. Uh, all great quarterbacks have similar traits with the leadership, and, and nothing phases him. If he gets hit, he doesn't get up and blame the O line, or he's just pats on the ass and say, "Hey, next play, man." You know, he's a great leader, and he, he puts in the time and the preparation. He's here early and he stays late, so. You know, you admire that in a quarterback or in a teammate. So we uh, we really trust Mason. The relationship, the relationship between the center and the quarterback, is that something that takes time to establish, or is that something that can be done quick? You know, a, a little bit. It, you know, it depends on the you know the scheme and, and stuff like that. It can be done quick, but uh, you know, with Trevor Harris and uh, there's a lot of times where 
you know, he would feel comfortable changing my point or, you know, just little things like that where you're working with a center. Uh, you know, and Mason's learned a lot from Trevor, and, and I'm sure Mason will do the – he's done the exact same thing. But, yeah, the quarterback-center relationship is important because uh, you got to know where your hot is and you got to know where you're protected as a quarterback and you got to trust the center to identify the defense correctly. Sure was asked up top, but what, what's it been like to sit out the last few weeks? You know, it's been tough. I, I haven't missed a uh, football game since before COVID, so it's uh, it's frustrating not being out there. And it was one of those things where you, you want to get back out as soon as possible. And uh, I'm just happy to be back playing football. With, uh, with the injury, what it was, were you still, still able to stay in shape otherwise? I mean, legs and whatnot? Yeah, I was able to work out and, and uh, you know, do everything else besides uh, play football. And, you know, there's a few limitations what I could do, but I, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty healthy and, and well-conditioned coming back. And, you know, it, it's only been it's only been three games, so it's uh, I still feel pretty good. Fair to say that a hand injury is a lot worse for a center than the other lineman. <laughs> uh, you know, I, yeah, I guess I guess if it was your right hand, then it, it would be, but uh, it could be a lot worse. But no, any any hand injury is bad for old lineman. But you know, at the end of the day, nobody cares, and we're all playing through injuries, so that's the life of a football player. Well, we care about you, Peter Godber, and we are glad you are back in the lineup for Saturday's Tilt versus the Toronto Argonauts. All of our guests on today's show appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. Order the Rough Riders Sweet Deal from Western Pizza and enter your name for a chance to watch a game from a stadium, a luxury suite. Wouldn't that be nice? We are going to take a break on the other side. Some big news in the National Football League today. That's coming up next. You are listening to the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House on 620 CKRM. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Sean Kleisinger sitting in for Michael Ball today as Ballsy is off to Halifax, Nova Scotia, along with Blaine Wyland across the board for me. And we are also talking National Football League today. And some big news coming in about, well, under an hour ago-ish. Scary news. Of course, National Football League training camp underway. Now, I don't want to make this sound like, you know, scary news, like life-threatening. I'm not going there. But Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow, he was carted to the locker room today after going down on a play during 11-on-11. And let me tell you, it did not look good at the time watching the video uh, as soon as joe burrow went down i was thinking to myself "Ooh, is that an achilles is that a knee what's going on here but he was carted off the field joe burrow some good news coming in though a few minutes ago apparently it's just a bit of a calf strain maybe i don't know if it's a calf tear i think the the quote was a, a calf strain which is like best case scenario because when i saw the video i thought he's done No more Joe Burrow, and that would have sucked for obvious reasons. Top three quarterback in the National Football League, in my opinion. So um, He wasn't the only player who got carted off today, eh? What what more do you have for me? Like which player? You hear about Jalen Ramsey got carted off today, too. Jalen Ramsey, that's right, too. I actually saw... uh, what I think there was an also there was a video of something else that happened today. It slipped in my mind right now, but I wanted to say as well, uh, not injury related, but it came to mind. Dalvin Cook, yeah. running back, he's heading to, he's flying to New York. He's flying to New York, and he's going to be chatting with. It's either the Jets or Giants. What's it? 
Well, uh, okay, with Saquon Barkley just yeah. signed a contract with the Giants, he really yeah. played up that level. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I might, might have tricked some people. But no, he is going to be uh, chatting with the New York Jets. I could just see Aaron Rodgers just like, oh, yeah, let's get him. Speaking of, how much time do we got here? We got about a minute before, if we go a little over, whatever. I want to talk about this, but, you know, the Jets, they signed – Aaron Rodgers to that new two-year, $75 million guaranteed contract through the 2024 season. And Rodgers had nearly $110 million guaranteed remaining on his old deal in Green Bay. And I, I read this somewhere where someone said he's taking less to play in New York. Well, actually, the Packers are the one are the ones that moved on from Aaron Rodgers. Like, let's not forget this thing here. It's not like that. Maybe if this conversation happened a couple years ago, that would ring true. But the, the, the Packers moved on from the guy. You can't just say that he's taking less to play for a different team. That's just not the case. He's, but, re, he's restructuring his contract. That's what it is. It's, it's just allocating bonus money and just uh, there's a lot of hoops you jump in with the NFL salary cap. That's there what is, he's doing. There it's restructuring. Is, it's not taking less money. No, there is a lot of you know loops and stuff for the Jets to save money for this season. But don't be mistaken. They're going to be paying the price years from now, just like how the Green Bay Packers are paying the price now for a chunk of that Rodgers contract here in 2023. So the money just doesn't disappear, right? It's just a way of uh, getting under the salary cap for the 2023 season. But I thought that was funny when I saw someone say, he's taking less for a shot at a ring. And that's a whole different story. I don't know what better shot he has in New York compared to Green Bay, but topic for another day we are gonna hit the break here and we will have your sports ticker and then we will be joined on the western pizza hotline by cameron brantley of your regina red Sox slugger you are listening to the sports cage for the canadian brew house on 620 ckrm where saskatchewan sports fans come to talk this is the sports cage on sports radio 620 ckrm Back inside the sports cage, getting set for another baseball game tonight. It's been a fun week full of fun over there at Curry Field, the friendly confines of Curry Field. The outcomes of the games, if you're a Sox fan, haven't been fun. But hey, the Red Sox, they're going to be in the playoffs. And we all have seen what has happened in the past, especially last year. Red Sox, a really good regular season. And then playoffs came around. One and done. Eliminated in the first round. So I would rather take, you know, a less than stellar regular season in exchange for a run in the postseason. Because at the end of the day, see this on my finger, Blaine? It's a ring. It's not a championship ring. It's a ring of a different kind. But that's why these players are here. They want to get them one of these. Remember the movie... What movie was it? Friday Night Lights? Get you one of these. State championship. Right here. Mm -hmm. So that's what the Virginia Red Sox are going for. And we are pleased to be joined on the Western Pizza Hotline by Regina Red Sox outfielder Cameron Brantley from Charlotte, North Carolina. Cameron, how you doing today, my friend? I am good. How are you? Doing good, man. This is my uh, second time talking with you. If you remember earlier on this season, I think it may be like the second week of the regular season. 
I was the skinny guy that ran onto the field after my, one of your walk-offs. I think you had a walk-off. Yeah, it was your first ever walk-off uh, hit. I came up to you. We did a quick little chat. I'm the same guy, just so you know, just so uh, you're wondering, who's calling me right now? That's me. Same <laughs> I guy. remember. I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. So it's been a fun couple uh, days here for yourself. Uh, that huge walk-off win, that walk-off home run. I mean, I think you guys were down by two runs at the time, and you hit a three-run shot over the right field wall. And Wanda Heron the great photographer for the Regina Red Sox, she had just an absolutely beautiful picture. I don't know if you've seen it or not, Cameron, but it was right after your swing, like on on your on your backswing, right after the ball left your bat, just captured the moment so nicely. Uh, take us through that at bat and take us through that moment for yourself because uh, that goes down as one of the most memorable Regina Red Sox home games in recent memory, and I've been doing games here since uh, about 2017. Oh, wow. I didn't know um, the moment was that. Uh, that oh, yeah. kind of history. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm honest. Um, and you're correct. I thought Wanda did get a great shot. I did get to see it, which was awesome. Uh, I got a lot, of, uh, a lot of love from it, actually. It was really nice. Yeah, so t- uh, to go through the... Uh, go through my mindset during the at-bat, um, I just knew it was a close game. Um, was thinking Moose Shaw had our number, and I was just always thinking it's time to flip the flip the script, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I happened to, you know, just always always try to prepare for the right moment, and just so happened he threw me a fastball first pitch, and I was ready for it. Yeah, so you must be really loving this short porch in right field as a left-handed hitter. It just is like right in your wheelhouse. It just fits your swing perfect, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It does. <laughs> uh, where you play? Uh, where you play your college ball? What's your right field uh, looking like? Right field uh, fence. Believe it or not, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty similar. Uh, about right to right field, it's about three ten. And then it jets out to center field. Right. So it's very similar to Regina, actually. Hey, so did this might be a goofy question, but did the I'm even laughing before I ask it. But in any way, did the outfield dimensions come into play when you decided where you were gonna play your summer ball? Because a left-handed hitter like yourself, that short porch, it's like the WCBL equivalent of you know Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, that short porch out there, did that, you know, was that a factor in you deciding, Hey, I want to, I want to go to Regina because I'm going to absolutely create havoc over that fence this summer. (laughs) No, believe it or not. I didn't know the dimensions until I got here, but once I got here, I definitely will say it made the, uh, the trip a lot lighter. Yeah. So take us through that process, man. You are from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina and, I guess before before we get into more baseball, uh, tell our listeners, tell the fans a little more about yourself. Did you? Uh, what team did you grow up cheering for? What's your second favorite sport? Do you have a favorite NFL team, Major League Baseball team? The floor is yours, my friend. Tell us about Cameron Brantley. Yeah, well, my name's uh, Cameron Brantley. Uh, everybody calls me Cam back home from Charlotte, North Carolina, and grew up a huge Red Sox fan. Uh, Boston Red Sox, believe it or not. So it's it's pretty cool to play for the Regina Red Sox. Oh. Uh, some might say it was uh, destined, you know? Yeah. 
the but, uni's um, looking. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, believe it or not, uh, grew up a Red Sox fan. Um, second favorite sport is definitely football. So I definitely have uh, read up on the riders, watched some rider football, um, and very uh, excited for their season. Right on, man. So you're from Charlotte, North Carolina. Are you a Carolina Panthers fan? Uh, I am not. I'm a Patriots fan. Oh, so you're kind of working the the Boston area here. I see. I see what you're onto here. I see what you're onto. Right, right. <laughs> so originally, I was born in Massachusetts. Oh, I have a lot of family there. But I grew up in Charlotte, so All right. that's the ties right there. There we go. It all makes sense now. Cameron Brantley, outfielder for your Regina Red Sox on the Western Pizza Hotline here. So uh, you you grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. You already said that you've been watching some Saskatchewan Rough Riders football this year. Have you made it out to a game yet? No, I have not, but I plan to. Yeah, maybe that, maybe that uh, Sunday, August 6th game versus... Uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks. It depends, I think, what the you know the playoff schedule looks like for you guys. But you for sure have to you know check out a game before uh, you head back home. Absolutely, I'm excited. That's uh, that's the date we have circled. If, like you said, the schedule plans yeah. out. Yeah. So take us through. You, you go to school at North Carolina A and T. You're a sophomore, I take it. No, I'm actually going in uh, to my senior year. Senior year, so the website is wrong, and Zinger is wrong. How about that? So, yeah, you're going into your senior year. Uh, so, yeah. w- obviously, everybody's goal as a baseball player is, you know, they want to be in the big leagues. I- I'm suspecting it's the same for yourself. You want to be a major league baseball player. I do. I yeah. do. So what what's your what's your plan going forward after you know after uh your senior year of college? Uh hopefully get a professional uh opportunity uh mm. through various different ways, but the end goal is to make it to the major leagues yeah. eventually. So Yeah, so uh you are my my initial question was going to be uh how did you end up here in Regina? Uh a teammate of mine, uh, actually on the Red Sox with me, John Henry, referred me to uh, our recruiting coordinator, mm-hmm. Rye, Coach Rye. Yeah. And, um, I connected with Coach Rye, and just it sounded everything sounded right. So I stuck with it and did my research on Regina, the city, and the team, and tried to you know take a chance, and I did so. Glad I did. Yeah. Hey, man. And the website also says that uh, you're a right-handed hitter. <laughs> so this is just not the oh, correct man. one. So <laughs> you gotta get. We gotta get this fixed up here. Uh, so right. So Cameron Brantley, uh, what have you enjoyed about you know the Regina life? You're you you grew up in a really big city down in Charlotte, North Carolina. You're from the uh, Boston, Massachusetts area, and now here you are in little old Regina, Saskatchewan, in the middle of nowhere here on the prairies. How have you uh, enjoyed yourself here? Uh, The main thing would definitely be the change of scenery. I've definitely enjoyed open space. I'm used to a lot of sirens, big buildings, and, you know, a lot of uh, people. 
So here's a nice change, kind of get to think and breathe and, you know, just see the world a little bit and relax. So it's a nice change of pace. I think something I needed. Yeah. What are some of uh, your favorite like spots here in Regina? You know, when you're not playing baseball, say if you have an off day, what what is uh, Cameron Brantley doing outside of maybe, you know, getting a few extra Z's? Um, definitely will go to the pool if I can. Um I don't know too many people out here, so it's hard to find a, a quality pool. But um, we'll hang out with teammates as well. And uh, I'm a big fan of Leo's Tavern. Yeah. Um, that's been a good spot to go to, especially after games when we eat. Uh, it's one of the only spots open I see. So yeah. great food to great service. Yeah, there's a couple locations here in the city. And uh, that seems like it's always been like a place where Red Sox players like to go. I remember a couple years ago we had... Uh, Antonio Torres, a catcher with the team, he used to love that spot as well. Cameron Brantley here, outfielder for the Regina Red Sox for a couple more moments here on the Western Pizza Hotline. So, uh, Cameron, I kind of kicked off our interview here talking about, you know, it's better to have a rougher regular season and then kind of peak in the postseason and make a run at that championship. Is that kind of like the discussion amongst yourselves in the locker room right now as far as, you know, we're not winning as many games as we want, but, hey, we're going to be in the playoffs as long as we, uh, you know, get a couple wins in in the playoffs. We can be where we want to be. Yeah, um, we we definitely understand where we're at as a team. We know we're not where we want to be, you know, the success we, we were hoping for in the season. But we also know it's uh, a tough time right now, especially right now as players leave to go home, you know, they reach their pitch limit or injuries or what, what so have you. So we're trying to figure out what we have left, and then we're going to just have to go with that. And we're pretty confident. Um you know, we've played Lethbridge pretty tough. We just came up short the last year. And so we've been really focusing on the positives lately in our game and, and hope to uh, continue to build on that. Yeah, and you you raise a good point there about players leaving as as like a fan and also I, I, yeah, I do the public address announcing at the games, the, the stadium announcing, but I also, you know, I, I'm a fan of the team. And usually, or not usually, I am always very kind of worried about which players are going to leave especially at this time of year uh we've had a lot of big names over the years kind of just pack up their bags and leave (laughs) at what feels like the worst moment so with that said Cameron Brantley can you promise us that you will be here until the final out is recorded here in the 2023 season don't break my heart Yes, Regina, you have my promise. I'll be here. Yes, there we go. Cameron Brantley, uh, looking forward to seeing you play tonight. Are you in the lineup tonight, or do you know uh, the lineup yet? Uh, we don't know quite yet. We usually know after uh, we hit batting practice. Yeah. So. Well, I'm guessing you'll be in the lineup. Uh, they, can't, they can't keep you on the bench. You're a slugger. You hit homers, baby. That's what we need. We need runs right now. So uh, looking forward to seeing you. I'm just going to say it. Looking forward to seeing you play tonight. Cameron Brantley from Charlotte, North Carolina. He grew uh, or was born in Massachusetts. He's a Boston Red Sox fan, and he's a New England Patriots fan. Do you have a favorite hockey team before I let you go, Cameron? Uh, I'm not too big into hockey, mm. but if I were to say one, it would be the Boston Bruins. There we go. Threes across the board. Boston, Boston, Boston. Cameron Brantley, thanks I'm for joining. Yeah, you're a loyal <laughs> man. You're staying in Regina, and you're loyal to your region. 
on the east coast of the United States of America. That's awesome. Hey, thanks for carving out a couple minutes today, Cameron, and uh, we'll see you at the ballpark tonight. Best of luck. You bet. Thank you. Have a good one. Yeah, you too, my friend. That's Cameron Brantley, outfielder for your Regina Red Sox on the Western Pizza Hotline as the Red Sox are starting up a two-game series tonight at Curry Field versus the Weyburn Beavers. And uh, it's been a tough couple games the past two games versus the Lethbridge Bulls. Cameron mentioned it there. You know, played them really tough, but Lethbridge is a good team. They're third place in the West Division. 27-21 and 21 is their record uh, behind the Sylvan Lake Gulls and the Okotoks Dogs. So once again, at 7.05 p.m. tonight at Curry Field, Red Sox and Beavers. We're going to step aside, have more for you on the other side. You are listening to the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the Radio Octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Back inside the Sports Cage 350, here for the Canadian Brew House today. As uh, my sponsorship has uh, whipped off the page. Canadian Brew House, their new summer feature menu, including the jalapeno popper dip hangover helper. Well, that's a nice tagline right there. New candlestick fries and so many other features, flavors, and cocktails. Visit the Canadian Brew House this weekend and maybe... Uh, watch some Canadian Football League. We have a, a week full of great games starting tomorrow in the CFL as the Hamilton Tiger Cats and uh, Ottawa Red Blacks kick off the week. That game is in Ottawa at TD Play Stadium. And if you missed the news earlier, Bo Levi Mitchell will be getting a start at quarterback for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And Shaq Evans, we know Shaq quite well in these parts. Shaq Evans will be making his debut for the Ottawa Red Blacks tomorrow. And uh, no Thursday nighter tonight. There's a doubleheader on Saturday. Saskatchewan taking on Toronto, of course, at 2 p.m. Saskatchewan time, followed by the BC Lions and Edmonton Elks at 5 p.m. Saskatchewan time. And then one game on Sunday, the Calgary Stampeders taking on the Montreal Alouettes in Montreal, and that is your week eight in the Canadian Football League. And some other news and notes I want to mention, Blaine Wyland, we just chatted with Cameron Brantley of the Regina Red Sox. Another quick WCBL point uh, to talk about. The Saskatoon Berries released uh, their new logo today. What do you think of uh, you? I know you've seen it. What do you think of the new logo for the berries? I like it. I oh. like it. I like the logo. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I like. I like the. I like the incorporation of the berry of the logo. I, I, I give it a thumbs up. I, I guess. Simple. What more can you do with a berry, right? That's what I was kind of thinking. Like, what are what are they gonna do with a logo when it comes to a berry? Like, they did pretty good with it. They have. Uh, some eye black underneath the Barry's eyes. The Barry is holding a bat. He's wearing a backwards hat like Ken Griffey Jr. The colors too. It's got the, obviously the purple, but also light blue as well. So I'm looking. I think a you know a blue light blue with a purple color look. I think it could be pretty nice. I kind of thought Colorado Rockies right away when I saw the logo, but obviously the Rockies, they're not blue, but the Rockies have some purple on them. But I uh, can't wait for the Saskatoon Berries, nonetheless, to make their debut next season. It's going to be a full lineup of teams next year as the Edmonton Prospects, they're getting set to be back in the league. 
in the West Division. Saskatoon Berries, of course, will be in the East Division alongside your Regina Red Sox. LeBron James's son, Bronny James. Scary week for him. Scary Monday for him. Well, Bronny James has been discharged from the hospital and is now back at home resting after being treated for sudden cardiac arrest on Monday. He was at a workout with the USC Trojans. Collapsed on the court. Very scary moment. LeBron James did go on his Twitter today, and he uh, tweeted out a few words, a few thank yous to people that have, you know, reached out to him. And uh, very scary. I, I don't... I. I kind of get, I don't want to say I get emotional when I talk about it, but like, let's just put it this way. I know how that, I kind of know how that feels. So that's a, that's a tough situation for the James family. Uh, hopefully it looks like Bronny James is on his full path to recovery. The Toronto Blue Jays switching gears to baseball. Some other news and notes to go through today. The Blue Jays have, they have an off day today. They're coming off that big series win versus the Los Angeles Dodgers. They won 8-1 to yesterday. The Jays have an off day today, and then they will be back at the Rogers Center tomorrow to start up a three-game weekend set versus the Los Angeles Angels. And speaking of the Rogers Center, did you see those renderings today, Blaine Weiland, for the upcoming... Uh, renovations to the 100 level at the Rogers Center. The Jays getting set to pour some more money into that building. I did see them. What did you think? I thought right away it kind of it reminded me the lower bowl behind home plate reminded me of Dodgers Stadium the way that uh, the sections have kind of been, you know, what's the wording for it? Separated, sectioned off boxed if you off. Bo- boxed off. There you go. Yeah. It kind of looks more like a modern era ballpark the way that the renovations yeah, and I believe there's less foul territory now as a result of the 100 seats are being, like, uh, the first row seats are kind of pushed in now. So I think there's more, or there's less room in terms of foul territory, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I just saw those, I just saw when they, uh, those animated drawn, mm-hmm. you know, uh, shots. So, uh, looking forward to, I'm looking forward to when it's all said and done, the Rogers Center, because, uh, yeah, that's a, that ball, they're, they're putting a lot of work to that ball diamond. Re- reshaping it and uh, definitely need it because uh, it was kind of getting outdated and it's a big facility for you know you either gonna have to smash it down and build a brand new one or totally uh, renovate it like they are doing I've never really seen a problem with the Rogers Center to be honest with you I've been to quite a few ballparks and I just I've never really seen a problem with it but I think my problem is I think it's a Sean problem my problem is I carry a very sentimental thing with me because my very first ever Jays game was in 2004 I was only like 12 years old at the time so every time I'm there I get reminiscent I get nostalgic and I just feel like that is stronger than any type of nice new stadium and I I've said this about football stadiums I'll say it about all stadiums all these new stadiums that are being built these days they're all very cookie cutter they're all very brand new and they all kind of you know look the same you're saying that for baseball as well though too uh, I, I agree with the football no, the hockey no, rings no i'm saying i can't really comment as far as baseball yeah, goes okay. because the baseball the baseball stadiums they do have a different feel to them yeah. to a certain extent but for sure football oh and the hockey and basketball yeah. hockey slash basketball rings i agree with you a thousand percent on that one like uh at&t stadium cowboy stadium in arlington you know i thought 
when I first saw that, I was like, okay. And then last year, SoFi Stadium in LA, it kind of just has the same vibes. It's just like, it almost feels like you don't belong in the stadium when you walk in it because it's so fresh and new, like marble floors, this and that. And I'm assuming that Las Vegas' new stadium, Allegiant Stadium, is along those same lines as well because... Well, I was in there. Yeah. I was in there in May. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, kind of hard to. I'm trying to think of a stadium. The only other stadium I can really compare it to that I was inside of was like the University of Phoenix. I've been there. Mm. I had. I didn't do a tour of that one though. But it kind of. I guess you could. I can understand how you could see like it's a similar feel. Mm. You know. I. I get. I can understand what you're saying. Where it's kind of like a similar feel. I mean, obviously the Phoenix one's a little bit older than the, the stadium out in Vegas. But I get you. The thing that blew me away about the Vegas stadium, Rough Riders locker room is better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. I would think that uh, everyone, if they would go through the Las Vegas Raiders dressing room, compare the Rough Riders, I think everyone would say the Rough Riders is better. I'm not going to lie. And that that's also true for the LA Rams and LA Chargers locker rooms when we went through them with the sports cage trip. And my one point that I brought up, we have about 10 seconds left here, but... How much time are these NFL teams spending in those locker rooms? It depends if those teams are actually practicing every single day outside the outside the stadium or if they are just, you know, showing up the day of the game uh, and then using the locker room for like 6 to 8 hours or whatever. So I can see kind of why maybe the locker rooms wouldn't be as nice as what the Riders is because the Riders they utilize it every single day because they practice right out there. So that that was kind of the only thing that I could put my finger on on why the Riders locker room was nicer than the Rams and the Chargers because the Rams and Chargers they don't practice at SoFi Stadium but long-winded that's hour one in the books and coast to coast with Arash Madani will be coming up here after the four o'clock news you are listening to the sports cage for the Canadian brew house on 620 CKRM Time now for Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all from Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between. This is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. And it's 4.08 here on the Sports Cage, and today's show is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House and their new summer feature menu, including jalapeno popper dip, hangover helper, New candlestick fries and so many other features, flavors, and cocktails. And coast to coast with Arash Madani every single Tuesday and Thursday here on the Sports Cage is brought to you by our friend Brian Gully over there at Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions, 546 2533. And Arash Madani now joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. How are you doing today, Arash? I just saw a couple minutes ago that uh, Jagarrett Davis, the trade is being voided. What happened, my friend? Well, in any of these things, Zinger, signings, trades, it's pending a physical, mm-hmm. pending the player uh, pass a physical. Remember this offseason, Carlos Correa. The free agent leaving the Houston Astros signed for all the money with the Mets. And then that got voided because he didn't pass a physical. And then he signed for all the money in San Francisco, and that got voided because he didn't pass a physical before settling with the Twins, who knew what his health issues were. Shigera Davis, the Stampeders, knew him from back in the day, but at his tour of beauty in Toronto and with Hamilton, 
Calgary doctors didn't okay Davis passing the physical, and so the draft pick comes back to Calgary. Davis returns to Hamilton, and there's no trade, and the Stampeders are desperate for a defensive lineman because of the injuries they've had. Wow. What... Now, what goes into a physical, Arash? I know you're not a doctor or anything, but what kind of things does Jagarrett Davis need to do? Like, that's just surprising to me how, you know, this guy has been suiting up for yeah. this team. And what, you're you're trying to tell me that he's not physically fit to, <laughs> to play football? It's, it's about the threshold, right? Like, the Twins with Correa were willing to spend $180 million knowing what the health issue was. It's the threshold of risk. And that risk, the Mets weren't willing to spend $350 million or whatever it was. Uh, The Giants were willing to spend $300 million. Davis and the Stampeders have a past and they have a history. So they may have noticed something lingering, something that wasn't just right. That Because the moment you bring Jaguar Davis in, you have to pay him for the rest of the season, right? He's a vet. He's been through it. If there's an injury, you you bring him in, you're buying him. You're paying for the whole season. And there was something there. I don't think we'll ever find out specifically, but there was something there that they're saying that is a season-ending injury or that is an issue, medical issue, that is that is you know destined for injured reserve. If we're going to bring somebody in, we need somebody healthy. And so it's it's the threshold of what are you willing to have your player play through, play with, et cetera. And we also just don't know Jaguar Davis' medical history. Mm-hmm. How many other things have crept up that may have raised some red flags? Yeah, so what happens now with Jaguar Davis? He already mentioned he, go, he goes back to Hamilton, but does he play football? Does he sit on the bench? What does he do? It's a weird conversation to have, isn't it? Yeah, like, I don't know. Right? They say nothing personal, it's just business on your way out. Then you come back in and look at the same people who traded you away and say, all right, it's all good, we're going to keep doing this now? Yeah. I... You traded me for what? What was it, like a sixth-round pick or something? Yeah. That's that's how you view me? That's how you value me? That's how you have it. Well, that's a tough position for the guy to be in because, well, if he's not going to play football in Hamilton, if he's going to hold some kind of uh, grudge, I'm not saying he is, but just, you know, going inside the mind of Jaguar Davis, if you're not going to play in Hamilton and you're failing physicals elsewhere, what what's left for there to be done? Right, right. So I, it'll, it'll be interesting. Now, I'm not suggesting this at all. I'm not. Yeah. But I also wonder... Does this poison the waters between the Tiger Cats and the Stampeders? Because in, in Calgary's mind, Davis is damaged goods. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, are the Stamps saying, what are you doing, Hamilton? What are you, what are you trying to pull on us? That also kind of weighs in the equation, too. Hey, Bo Levi Mitchell, he's been a quarterback on the Calgary Stampeders, and he is the quarterback of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And looky, looky, he's starting this week against the Ottawa Red Blacks to kick off the I'm week. I'm shocked, Singer. Yeah. Are you? Like, uh, well, I what do you think of this? I am a bit. When I saw that, I had to do the math in my head. I was thinking it kind of just seemed like a couple of weeks ago that he went down with injury, but I believe it was, what, uh, week two? It's... 
It's uh, week number eight in the Canadian Football League. So I guess if you do the math, it kind of adds up in a way. But still, when you watch that thing happen live and he, while he was walking off the field, I was thinking to myself, well, we'll see you in October, maybe. I get, like, to me, this is desperation. Mm-hmm. What's the Ticats record right now, Dinger? Mm-hmm. Well, the Ticats, are, they're in the dumps. They're Yeah. If they're a 500 football team today, they're, they're a two and four team right now, Arash. Right. So if if they're three and three or four and two, is Bobby by starting this week? Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I wonder. And because for two reasons, one, not just Bo's long term health for this season, because you want him to be available for you in November, but more than that, you've been willing to go five weeks without him playing, if you kept him on for all six weeks, then you wouldn't absorb the cap hit, which allows you around the trade deadline or NFL cuts to go overspend for somebody else to upgrade your football team for the stretch run of the season. Yeah, and people always complain about the next wave of quarterbacks and stuff, and we saw some you know decent flashes from one Taylor Powell last week. Now, yeah, now, 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 it wasn't. Hey, it wasn't like you know something right home about, but he did have you know he showed that he might be able to play. But that's the thing, Arash. These guys they play one or two games and then that's it. People write them off. Like, don't you think since this Bo Levi, he's Probably, I'm guessing he's not 100. percent Why not give you know Taylor Powell I, I, a chance well, to play I, I'll more? I'll give you the answer to your question. Well, because they have to win, obviously. Orlando Steinauer is coaching for his Hamilton's job. Hamilton's hosting the Grey Cup this year. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a real thing, right? There, there's pressure to win again. If you're four and two, it's such a different conversation. Not only if you're four and two. What if Dustin Crum and the Red Blacks lost those two games in overtime and didn't win those two games in overtime and the Ticats don't feel like there's a team in the East nipping at their heels? Yeah. What about that? Well, those Ottawa Red Blacks, speaking of, they're getting uh, Shaq Evans back in the lineup tomorrow, which I know, uh, well, I was going to say is exciting for Canadian Football League fans in general because, well, if Shaq Evans, if he can return to his 2019 form, would be, you know, all right to see. Although, you know, who who really cares around here? He's not wearing green and white anymore. Ryder fans are probably <laughs> rolling their eyes at me. Arash Madani here, coast to coast for uh, Smart Investing Solutions here on the Western Pizza Hotline. And, you know, speaking of injuries, Bo Levi Mitchell and such, uh, a big scare happened in the National Football League today. I was, you know, uh, doing the afternoon show here. Blaine Weiland comes into the studio, and he was like, did you see what happened to Joe Burrow? And my heart sunk. I was like, oh, yeah. my God. So the, Dude who can't catch a break, right? Because yeah. he tore his ACL year one, had the appendix yeah. last year. Yeah. And I saw the video of it and uh, saw I saw the play. It was 11-on-11, uh, 11 11, you know, practice, training camp. He rolls out right, and then he just pulls up lame. and Non-contact injury. Non-con- starts hopping around. Yeah. So initially when I saw it, I was thinking, okay, is this an Achilles? Is this a knee problem? But now apparently it uh, it might not be as bad as what we first thought it to be. Uh, I, I saw somewhere that maybe it's a I just don't believe these stream. coaches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's what Zach Taylor's called us. I just don't believe these coaches. Mm. Often when you watch things like that happen, Zinger, yeah. 
watch what's going on around the play and with other players. And some of those players, their reaction spoke volumes. Zach Taylor's always been one who's been very liberal with the truth when it comes to injuries. And I just wonder, is, you know, Burrow already had a sleeve over his calf. It's the early days of camp. The body's sore. You immediately think something serious. I hope for once Taylor's telling the truth on this, mm-hmm. but that looked very scary. No, oh, it did. So do you, do you think that it's something more serious? I do. Yeah. I do, and it happens, what, a couple of days after Justin Herbert got paid a quarter of a billion dollars? Yeah, so what happens you know, now for Mr. Joe Burrow? Like, what timing, man? What timing this is? What timing? Well, we're about to find out very quickly if this is serious or not. And if it's not, Joe Burrow's got to sign that contract. Like, he almost feels it almost feels like his career's been snake-bitten from an injury standpoint. When he's healthy, he's the second most dynamic player in the league after Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. But as an old GM once told me, what's the difference between an injured player and a crappy player? They said nothing because neither are of any use to me. So go get yours, Joe. Go go make sure you get your security because that was a non-contact drill just rolling to his right. And hopefully it's just a cast strain, but if it's more serious, it's just like that, you know, your career trajectory can change. Yeah, that's just like Gut punch to NFL fans. Can't imagine how Bengal fans are feeling. Joe Burrow himself and his family are feeling right now. But uh, hey, speaking of quarterbacks, quickly, Arash, have you uh, caught any of that uh, Netflix quarterback documentary yet? Not yet. Not yet. Are you are you shying away from it because Kirk Cousins is featured? I in am. It? <laughs> I am. Ringer, I don't know how much I can tolerate of that. Hey man, I, I uh, a lot of people are getting a soft spot here for Mr. Kirk Cousins after watching this. They're saying, Won't "Oh, be me. oh, what a Won't good guy! Me. Oh, what a good guy he is! Oh, what a good family man! I hope he wins a Super Bowl!" Yada yada. That's what people are saying on Twitter Four, and fourth stuff. Fourth and sixteen, fourth and eighteen in a playoff game <laughs> with the season on the line. He throws a three yard out. I'm not. I'm not feeling any sympathy for Captain Kirk. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Rashma Daddy, Coast to Coast for Smart Investing Solutions. Thanks for your time, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Aaron. That's Arash Madani on the Western Pizza Hotline as we head to break, and we might talk more about that quarterback documentary a little later on. You are listening to the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. All right, your Sports Cage Clutch performer today goes to Shohei Otani. There was some speculation of the Angels dealing him before the trade deadline. That ain't happening. Why, you might ask? Well, because he's arguably, like, talent-wise, the best baseball player ever. The dude threw his first complete game shutout today, and he also hit one or two home runs today. He, I know he hit one home run for sure today. So Shohei Otani doing Otani things, and he is your sports cage clutch performer right now. The Angels are up eight to two, as I believe they are playing uh, 
a double header today. They won game one six to nothing over the Detroit Tigers. Shohei Otani, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fan Dealer. Give them a call at 781 1077. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. It's 424, talking about injuries and such. Joe Burrow went down today. Head coach of the Bengals, Zach Taylor, he said that it's just a calf problem. Arash Madani calls his bluff. So uh, hopefully it is just a bit of a calf strain. Other injury news, though, Dolphins six-time Pro Bowl cornerback Jalen Ramsey. He also went down, and Jalen Ramsey will undergo knee surgery and is expected to miss the start of the regular season with that injury. And uh, so the ACL is intact, though, which is a positive. That is from... Adam Schefter. So when Mr. Adam Schefter tweets it, I guess no other choice but to kind of believe him. Although I think he's been wrong a few times. I was just going to say, really? Yeah. Do you? Honestly? Uh, he's been wrong a few times. Did he get his sources checked or did he get his stories checked ahead of time? Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm kind of on the fence with him myself. Are I mean, you? Yeah. Are you more of a Ian Rappaport type of guy yeah. or do you like, uh, who else comes to mind? I don't know. I like Glazer. Yeah, G- Mr. Like Jay Glazer. Glazer. Yeah, he's, Jay Gla- yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. Out of all those inf- in- insiders, he's my guy. Jay Glazer for uh, he's still with Fox, right? Yep. Yeah, Jay Jay Glazer. He's a he's a good one. Uh, so we are here on this uh, Thursday, and the Riders left today uh, to Halifax. That's why you hear my voice right now, and not Michael Ball. The Riders are in the air as we speak. And I was trying to calculate in my mind how long of a flight that would be from Regina to Halifax. I believe they're saying it's four and a half hours. Four and a half hours. So it's like the equivalent to hopping in your car right now and driving down to Minot, North Dakota, roughly. Something like that. Because uh, I know they got the, when they land, they got media tonight at like 930. Ooh. But I mean, it's like 930 Halif- or you know, Newfoundland or Nova Scotia, sorry, yeah. is a couple hours ahead. So it was a little bitter, like, you know what I mean? But, uh, so that's a long day then for yeah. those guys. I know a few of those play, they got media tonight when they land in, uh, Nova Scotia. So that's part of their day. They're not quite done today yet for some of those guys. Yeah. The, the injury report was, uh, released before the riders took off to Halifax. And let's go through it quickly. If you missed it off the top of the show today, Matt Dean is out linebacker with that foot injury. Ken Schaefer Baker. He's out still with that hip. Mitch Pickton will not be in the lineup. He suffered that concussion versus the BC Lions out with a head injury versus Toronto this weekend. Brian Cox Jr., this is a big one. He's out with that knee injury. Jackson Ford out with an ankle. Zach Fry out with the lower back. Rodney Clemens, uh, he's out with an ankle. Can't remember if I mentioned him or not, but uh, he's out as well. The good news, though, for the Rough Riders, Anthony Lanier II, who we will hear from the kickoff hour three right at uh, 5.05. We caught up with him before uh, the Riders took off to Halifax. Anthony Lanier II, uh, he's on the injury report, but there's no injury uh, designation. So that means he's he's good to go. He's good to go, as well as Jake Winicky. He's good to go as well with that knee injury, so that's big news. Peter Godbert, 
We heard from him to start the show. He will be starting for the Rough Riders at center. So that's good news. And a question mark surrounding Colin Kelly uh, because he did not practice. I believe that was yesterday. But uh, no need to worry, Rider fans. Colin Kelly, he will be in the lineup. So the offensive line, hopefully we can uh, keep all five of these these guys intact because that will pay dividends going in uh, down the stretch here. Hey, we're going to hit the break, have a CFL report here in a few minutes. And then on the other side of that, we will be back with your play now picks with former CFL linebacker, former Saskatchewan Husky, Ben Whiting. That's coming up next here on the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House on 620 CKRM. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. It's 4.34 inside the sports cage. Sean Kleisinger sitting in for Michael Ball today as Ballsy is on his way to get some lobster. Some seafood. I don't like seafood. Do you like seafood, Blaine? Most of it. There's a couple of things I don't like. Like, What's what's there to like about it? Number one, it stinks. Do you like, like, not even fried fish? Oh, dude. Like, I mean, I'm not talking East Coast here. I'm talking Saskatchewan. But going on the boat on the lake and going for some fish and then frying up afterwards? Oh, so yeah. good. That's the best. For That's- some reason, I've always been really creeped out to to eat fish. I think it's because I, you know, I, I like them. I like the, I like them too much. And that's coming from a guy who eats beef. I eat pork. I like cows. I like pigs. I don't know what it is. I I, I don't know. I think it might be the scent. It doesn't it doesn't smell good cooking fish, does it? There's some you know what about seafood? I find it's one of those things if you don't cook it right, if there's just a slight alteration to your cooking, it can go it can go bad, it can go well, the wrong way, if you know what I mean. Hey, we have Ben Whiting, former CFL player, former Saskatchewan Husky on the Western Pizza Hotline right now. Ben, give us your take on seafood, my friend, here on Touchdown Atlantic Week. Oh, seafood! Yeah, great question. I'm a uh, big fan, big fan. Everything, everything about it, especially the fish fries, like you guys just talked about. But uh, I, I love seafood. He loves. So I'm the only one here in this universe. Uh, ben Whiting, what's your favorite food in general? If you had to be stranded on an island and you know live off one meal, what would it be? Most definitely uh, hot wings. Ooh, like buffalo, like buffalo, that type of hot wing, like buffalo sauce. Buffalo hot wing, yeah. Any chicken wing, that is the that's my favorite food. Not even close. Holy smokes, that is music to my ears. I love my chicken wings too, my friend. Ben Whiting, we have you on here to talk uh, sports and play now picks. Uh, believe it or not, not uh, food. That's my fault. But thanks for uh, chiming in on our seafood conversation here. Hey, my friend, we are in another week of Canadian Football League action. Well, almost. I mean, tomorrow is the kickoff for week eight as the Hamilton Tiger Cats pay a visit to Ottawa to take on the Red Blacks and Hamilton. They will have their uh, starting quarterback back on the field and... I was looking at the lines on this game. Now, I don't know if it's my computer or not, but I was kind of looking at the money line on this game, and I I haven't really seen one. I think it's you know still up in the air. Is it because of Bo Levi Mitchell making his debut or his comeback? Yeah, you're exactly right, Sean. I was just going to say that as well. Uh, I was monitoring the lines earlier this morning, and 
all of them were locked up because um, the Hamilton uh, roster was still being shifted around. But now that it's settled, it looks like the money line is sitting at uh, 2.05 to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and the Ottawa Red Blacks are favored at a 1.8. But to me, this one's a toss-up. I mean, Hamilton's returning all of these key veterans, and Ottawa's on an absolute heater right now. So it'll be interesting to see the the rest versus rust or with all these guys coming off injuries haven't played in a while as opposed to ottawa playing the hot hand right now personally i'd like to take ottawa i just feel like they're kind of a team of destiny right now and 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 they got a lot of positive things happening for them yeah let's leave the riders and argos for last year let's go through the other games quickly uh the BC Lions, Edmonton Elks. Uh, what are you looking at in this game? What's your recommendation? Who do you have in this game right now? I'm looking at the money line. It's a 4.05 for the Edmonton Elks to get their first win of the season, and I believe this game is at Commonwealth Stadium this week. Well, if the Edmonton Elks are at home, you can almost uh, guarantee that they are not going to win. Um, once again, I just I, I I don't believe in Edmonton. Uh, whatsoever at this point. I, I don't think they can pull it off. Yes, BC's got a new quarterback into the rotation, um, and there's a little bit of controversy there, but I just, until Edmonton shows me something and they can put it a full game together, uh, I'm just not buying it. I'm going BC Lions money line at the 1.25. It's not the most exotic line, but I think it's the one that's going to happen. Hey, I put, uh, I'm not going to lie, I put 20 bucks down on the Edmonton Elks uh, last week when the money line was set at like a seven point something pregame. So I was like, do you know what? I'm going to hop on this and I'm going to ride this out. And they teased me, Ben Whiting. The Edmonton Elks teased me. I thought maybe they were going to win that football game. And then after the conclusion of that game, I looked myself in the mirror in the washroom and I said to myself, you, Sean Kleisinger, you are never going to put another dime on Edmonton <laughs> on the Edmonton Elks ever again. Well, anybody who's been listening to Play Now Picks Weekly here now, A, you know that most of what I say is incorrect. So if you want to fade me, you can definitely do that. But there was one week where I went to bat for Edmonton and I went on a big monologue and whatnot. <laughs> and then they just totally got destroyed. So I, I'm, I'm done giving them the, the light of day. I don't see the, the grass greener on the other yeah. side until they can prove it to me. Yeah, hop on board, my friend. Hop on board. <laughs> hey, uh, Sunday's game, the Calgary Stampeders taking on the Montreal Alouettes. I'm looking at this one. I don't I don't know the money line. I'm a, I'm a money line guy. We're going to get more in depth on, you know, some other things with the Ryder game coming up here, but I'm I'm kind of sure. like a, a simple person when it comes to, you know, this type of deal. I I look at the money line. I know if the number is big, they're the underdogs, and I know if the number is low, they're favored. So that is kind of in a nutshell for people starting off, you know, having fun with uh, leisurely betting. That's what I kind of look for. And when I'm looking at this That's Calgary great. Stampeder uh, Montreal Alouette game, the Stampeders are favored, ever so slightly favored at 2.2 on the money line. Uh, how do you see this game going? Yeah, for sure. And, and I like that kind of piece of context for anybody who's not uh, doesn't quite understand how the odds work on uh, playnow.com but I, essentially what I do is just do a nice round number so I always say if, uh, the odds are at 2.20 and I bet $100 that means that if that bet was to cash out I would cash out with $220 that's kind of the way I think yeah, exactly. But 
back to football here. Um, if you know me, and, and I'm sure there's been some pretty loyal listeners um, tuning into the show every Thursday here, you know that I will never bet on the Montreal Alouettes because I, 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 I'm pretty salty about them as a whole, as a program. But, <laughs> but I also think that the Stampeders are due for one yes. right now. Um, and you can tell by the way they've played in the past two games, they've been two extremely close games, one where they came out on top, the other where they lost on the last play of the game. Uh, and you can see there's a sense of urgency in that locker room right now with the press release with uh, Coach Dickinson saying, you know, either the players got to figure it out or we got to find new players. I mean, that, if that statement doesn't get you going and ready for uh, for uh, to get back in the W column, then I don't know what will. But uh, the Stampeders at a 2.20 money line, that's a pretty appealing line. Um, there's also some good prop bets that I'm seeing right now. Ded, or, uh, Dedrick Mills. Anytime touchdown score, 1.9. We also got a uh, Reggie Bagleton, anytime touchdown score at 2.1. So those are two guys that can, you know, shift the momentum of a game and they're big play makers for the Calgary Stampeders. Yeah, that Calgary Stampeder-Montreal Alouette game wraps up the week on Sunday. And, of course, the big game that people are looking forward to is touchdown Atlantic. It's a 2 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. 11 a.m. pregame show here on 620 CKRM. So, all right, let's talk about this thing. The Riders at the Toronto Argonauts. Well, technically at the Toronto Argonauts. They're the row team. But uh, I'm looking at the money line. Let's talk about the money line first. The Riders, a 5.1 on playnow.com right now. And I am just licking my chops. I'm thinking, I think I have a $20 bill maybe laying around there. So uh, what do you what do you see in this game, Ben Whiting, before we talk uh, more detailed on like uh, total points and such? What is uh, your money line? How do you feel this game is going to go? Do the riders, would you take the riders at a 5.1? I mean, that seems like a, you know, okay, a neutral site game, you know, a 5.10, maybe Toronto is due for a loss, that type of thing. Yeah, you know, there's a couple different variables here. Um, first and foremost, the biggest you know question mark for the Rough Riders is having a new quarterback that adds a lot of uncertainty to how they're going to perform. And then it, it was a little bit ugly at times last week, what with some botch snaps and a couple turnovers and and that sort of thing. But I kind of like to look on the other side of things where the defense certainly rose to the occasion, just holding a BC team to uh, 19 points there. And then also special teams, there's an absolute weapon back there with Mario Alford. So I think that's what mostly influences the lines. It's the fact that Saskatchewan doesn't have their starting quarterback in, uh, and Montreal or um, Toronto, pardon me, has been rolling as a team here. But I, I don't know if the the swaying of the odds right now really reflects um, how lopsided this game is. I think it's a lot closer than what the odds show. So at a five point one odds to on the money line for the Riders. I think that's a pretty decent bet if you're willing to put that money down. And you have the Riders over on total points this week? Yes. So a lot of my picks this week for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are all based around um, how the Rough Riders can be successful uh, and how they can keep uh, Mason Fine comfortable. So uh, in my eyes, I have the over for the Riders. Riders total points 18.5 is at 1.9 odds uh, and 
if the Rough Riders are going to win this game, it's plain and simple. They have to score more than 19 points. That's just hmm. the bottom line. So if we think the Rough Riders are going to be successful, uh, stepping stone in that is they have to score over 19 points. So I'm taking the over on that at 1.9 odds. And who do you think is going to be scoring first in this game? Do you have the Riders uh, on that line as well? Not necessarily scoring first because this is pretty explosive offense on Toronto. Um, but I have a couple different interesting anytime touchdown scorers. Right. First and foremost, we have Tevin Jones at 3.2. Um, he had 10 targets for over 70 yards, and he was tied for targets with Sean Bain, and they both had 10 uh, for the most targets of the game against BC. So you can find that Mason's becoming a little bit more comfortable and picking out his receivers that he wants to find. And Tevin's just been a big, uh, big play threat the entire season. So uh, touchdown for him is definitely within his wheelhouse, and especially if he's getting enhanced targets with the new QB. Uh, and then my, <clears throat> pardon me, my second one is a little bit interesting. Uh, I have Shea Patterson, Patterson rather, anytime touchdown scorer at two point three odds. Uh, I think this is going to be kind of a you know uh, pound the rock type of game, tough game. Uh, and not a lot of big plays on either side because both defenses are quite talented. So that opens the door to a lot of short yardage situations where you're bringing in your backup quarterback and you got to sneak it in and grind it in to get six points. So I-, I think that it is well within the realm of possibility that the Riders are on the goal line. They sub in Shea uh, to just sneak it into the end zone. Yeah. So when you're looking at these type of like prop bets type things, for example, like what would be the number right now if uh, you were to throw like ten bucks or twenty bucks on first play from scrimmage as a run, like one of those little really detailed wagers? Yeah, for sure. So this one's a little bit of a treat for the listeners. It's kind of a goofier line, but uh, uh, first play from scrimmage being a run, I've kind of been able to talk myself into it a little bit. Yeah, so, let's hear this. Uh, if you put ten bucks down on a uh, first play from scrimmage uh, at 1.62 odds, you would cash out with uh, around $16 there, if I'm doing the math Mm -hmm. correctly. Um, But when I think about it more, so the Rough Riders are going to have to get a little bit more comfortable or keep Mason fine comfortable, so we're going to have to rely on the run game and establish that early. So they're going to have to get Jamal going um, right from the get-go. And then on the flip side, first play from scrimmage is also includes the Toronto Argonauts. So that, uh, they, they've been pounding the rock all day with uh, Andrew Harris and A.J. Olette. So I, I think that it's quite possible um, that the yeah. first play from scrimmage, scrimmage can be a run. And uh, again, this is one of those more goofy bets, but that's kind of the breadth of lines that we offer at playnow.com. That's awesome, my friend. So if someone is like, is this a hard process? If someone wants to, you know, have some fun, they have an extra, you know, $20 kicking around and they want to, you know, have some responsible fun. Is it, uh, what's the process like as far as uh, the beginners go to sign up and actually, you know, get the money into the accounts bank and then for that user to place a bet is it uh because it i think a lot of the a lot of the time people they don't uh, do it because they feel like it's a 
you know, a scary process. They feel like, oh, how do I get the money in there? How do I do that? But, uh, you know, I, I tried it myself. It's it's really not that hard at all. Maybe just explain that to our listeners, the process of, you know, getting signed up, getting the money, getting the funds into the account, and then, you know, having some responsible fun. Yeah, for sure. So if you got a couple extra bucks and that's how you choose to spend your entertainment dollars, you can head on to playnow.com. Uh, and it should take you to a landing page. In the top right corner, there'll be a red icon that says join. Uh, and then it'll just take four steps of personal information, name, address, uh, that sort of stuff, kind of like if you're signing up for an Amazon account. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason we do that is, A, uh, to make sure that whoever's registering is over the age of 19 and also that they're a res- resident of Saskatchewan. So if you're thinking about placing an online sports bet, um, in Saskatchewan, the only way you can do that this weekend legally is signing up for playnow.com. Uh, once you've entered in your information in those four easy steps, uh, you can enter in your financial information where it's going to be safe and secure. Once again, we're the only legal operation in the province, so uh, yeah. we're regulated by the province of Saskatchewan, so you can know that your personal and financial uh, information is secure. And whatever your preferred method of transaction is, we've we pretty much do everything except cryptocurrency. So yeah. we'll take credit, interact, PayPal, all that sort of stuff, online bill payments, um, whatever you're most comfortable with. Uh, and then from there, you have access to hundreds of different lines. I know we got some different promos on. There's the Women's World Cup that we got a promo going on. Uh, if you're not a sports better, we got over 500 different slot games and a live casino. And there's something for everyone. And so if you're if you're interested in spending your entertainment dollars on uh, on gambling, online gambling, um, playnow.com is the only legal operation in the province. And if you're if you're going to head over to the site, we just ask that you gamble responsibly and, and use your game sense. That's awesome, my friend. Ben Whiting joining us here on this Thursday for his weekly installment. Thanks for your time today, my friend. Enjoy the games this weekend. Yes, sir. You too. Thanks, John. Right on. That's Ben Whiting, former Saskatchewan Husky, former CFL player, and he joins us today here on the Western Pizza Hotline at playnow.com. Once again, it is the website, Saskatchewan's only legal online uh, gambling site. So uh, check that out. And if you have an extra dollar or two, you know, if just like Ben was saying, if that's the way you want to spend your entertainment dollars, it's a it's a fun way to do it. If you uh, make sure you do it responsibly, though, uh, of course. We are going to take a break on the other side. A quick chat with our friend Brian Raymond over there at Flowing Springs. You are listening to the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Plus 24 or actually plus 22. It just updated on me. Plus 22 degrees here in Regina today. So it's a nice comfortable day. Not quite as hot as it's been this week. It's been a scorching week. I think it's been over 30 degrees every single day. But uh, right now, it's 22 degrees and sunny. And joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline over there at Flowing Springs Golf Course Golf Club is Brian Raymond. How you doing today, Brian? I'm doing great, Zinger. And you're right. It is a great day out there. The weather is almost perfect for playing golf. A little bit of a breeze, but very comfortable temperatures. Yeah, I was going to ask you, does that chase golfers away when it's too hot? 
usually in the middle of the day it gets a little lighter in terms of traffic here because you're right there are some people who just can't handle the heat and uh we're not used to it let's face it we don't have that much uh in the way of 30 degree or more temperatures uh Mm. you know on a routine basis if you were to like draw up a perfect a picture perfect forecast for golf what would it be would it be like a day like today Probably, but maybe a little bit less wind, but yeah. any, any temperature between 20 and 25 with very little wind, and you're looking at a great day to play golf. That's right. So uh, going into the weekend here, Brian, a lot to look forward to. Of course, the Riders in uh, Halifax taking on uh, the Toronto Argonauts. And if people are looking to maybe start off their weekend right on Friday, tomorrow, on Saturday, Flowing Springs is the place to go. Absolutely. We have, we're taking bookings now for the weekend and, of course, for tomorrow. And uh, every day of the week, including on the weekend, $35 to play the golf course after 3 o'clock. After 6 o'clock, it's $19 to come out and play. And that has been fairly busy these days. So make sure you call ahead and book, book early. We, uh, we do book seven days in advance. That's something we've never talked about before. But we do take bookings up to seven days in advance. So if you're interested in coming either this weekend or early next week, just give us a call. Well, there you go. And looking at the forecast, it's going to be very nice this weekend. Per- uh, perfect golf weather, 21 tomorrow, 24 Saturday, 28 on Sunday. So if people want to book a tee time, Brian, how do they do so? All you have to do is give us a call at 306-543-5050, or you can book online at flowingspringsgolf.com. Awesome, Brian. Thanks for your time today. Uh, before I let you go, do the Riders win this weekend, or uh, what, what What are you thinking? Well, you know, Toronto's not going to have an undefeated weekend, so why not beat them this mm. weekend? That's right. Let's go. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Brian Raymond on the Western Pizza Hotline. Have a good weekend, my friend. You as well. Take care. You too. That's Brian Raymond. Uh, we'll talk with him again on Tuesday coming up next week. And yeah, are you a golfer, Blaine? I, uh, I think I, I asked you that last yeah, time. Yeah, I'm a casual. Yeah. I haven't gone yet, and I want to this year. It's just uh, it hasn't lined up. But uh, I uh, sold my clubs. I bought brand new clubs, brand new like Wilson clubs. I think they were just like a starter starter set, but they were brand new. I bought them like, uh, well, that would have been in 2017. I only used the driver out of. I used the driver in the in the golf dome on Idlewild Drive in Saskatoon. Oh, yeah. Yep. And outside of that, I I never used them, so I I sold them. I it's just too much of a commitment to me. But uh, I I wish I was half decent at it because it just looks beautiful enjoy a nice day outside golfing with friends maybe sipping on a nice cold beverage if you know what i mean i don't is that are you allowed to drink beer on the golf course is that or is that not allowed uh i think you can it kind of varies from course to course in terms of what you uh because of course there's always the carts that come around for your services yeah uh but uh, i think most are okay yeah Provide yeah. over 19, of course. Yeah. So uh, that's going to be uh, a good weekend. Uh, check out Flowing Springs. Uh, book your tea time now. Give Brian Raymond a call at 543-5050. Taking a break here on the other side, we are going to catch up with Anthony Lanier, or we did catch up with Anthony Lanier before he hopped on that charter flight as uh, the riders are heading off to Halifax, Nova Scotia. And Anthony Lanier, he's uh, getting set to partake in the game coming off that injury. He's going to be in the lineup this week, it looks like. You are listening to the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brewhouse on 620 CKRM.
Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball. Here's Sean Kleisinger. Here for the Canadian Brew House and their new summer feature menu, including jalapeno popper dip, hangover helper, new candlestick fries, and so many other features, flavors, and cocktails. You must like the sound of those uh, candlestick fries being a Niner uh, fan. Absolutely, huh? absolutely. <laughs> I don't Dude, know. There's probably got to be a lot of garlic on them, though. Yeah, uh, I don't know why I thought of that. I want to talk about this before I keep forgetting about it. Uh, Sean Payton, of course, is the new head coach in Denver for the Denver Broncos, taking over for Nathaniel Hackett. And this is, uh, I don't even know what to make of this. This, uh, this never happens. Okay. Like words like this are never spoke to the media this harshly. But this is what Sean Payton said about Nathaniel Hackett's coaching job last year in Denver. Sean Payton said today, and I quote, Everything I heard about last season, we are doing the opposite. It might have been one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. That's how bad it was. That's what Sean Payton had to say. So when you first saw that today, Blaine, what uh, what was your initial reaction? Well, first off, on October 8th, the Jets do play the Broncos. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. That game is Ooh. in Denver, though. Ooh. I don't know if that's... But Let's go. Nathaniel Hackett comes back to Denver. I I don't know. The thing is about Sean Payton, he's one of those guys, or I should say one of those coaches. Like He's a good coach, but I don't think he's that good of a coach. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's an elite head coach. Like I don't think he's a like, Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? I don't think he's up with the Belichicks. I think he's a good Offensive game planner, but I don't know. I'm not that big on Sean Payton. And for him to kind of, kind of walk off a of television and to give this, I'm kind of a little bit mixed because you know what? He's right. That was brutal. What the the lack of preparation with the Broncos coaching last year. They, and I say coaching because it was because of coaching. Um, but do you say something like this? That's the thing, though. I don't know if you do say that, especially when you're like I said, you're walking off a of television. You haven't played. You haven't coached a game yet with a new franchise. I don't know. That's uh... It seems to me someone started training camp here and is trying to soften the blow after realizing what he's in for this season. And maybe it's just a thing about boosting Russell Wilson's ego. And even though I can't believe I'm saying that, that he need if anyone, if that, especially Russell Wilson, does he need his ego boosted? I don't think so. But maybe that's just the case here that... Uh, that was just a train wreck last year in Denver. It was a train wreck, but if you're Sean Payton, you're sitting there, what good could come out of saying something like that? You're putting pressure on yourself. You're putting unwanted pressure on your team. You're putting pressure on everything. Why Why not just come, in th- why not come into a situation that was really bad and just, you know, make it good? Why do, why do you I, – I just don't see any I, I, I agree gross. with you. I see agree with you, but I don't think there's any more added pressure. How can he get any more added pressure than what the situation is already? You know, Russell Wilson with that god-awful contract, that god-awful trade, and they need the quicker – you know, that's got to turn around quick. I don't think he's got that much of a leash. I mean, I think – who knows how they're going to turn out this season? I think they're kind of heading towards the downward trajectory, uh, and that the AFC West, like I don't yeah. think they're going up. Like uh, they're in trouble. I mean, I think it's just kind of, 
I think as a guy stepping in there and trying to wipe the slate clean and saying that this is not last year's team, this is a brand new Broncos team, and he's just... I mean, I, I think he's throwing Nathaniel Hackett under the bus, yeah, uh, like a big time bus. But you know what? The guy's not on the team anymore. Throw and he's throwing him on the bus because you know, kind of. Prote- I think he's protecting his quarterback. I think that's this is what it's all about: protecting Russell Wilson and boosting his ego. Yeah, I think so. I think he might be onto something, and I just don't. Uh, I don't feel dangerous though. <laughs> no, Sean Payton. Sean Payton. Yeah, everyone likes to think of. Yeah, we'll just leave it there. Sean Payton. I. I. I don't like the quote. I wouldn't have said it. I. Uh, I don't agree with it. I mean, the dude wasn't even in the locker room last year, and he's acting like he was a fly on the wall during the whole thing. Obviously, Russell Wilson is the bug in his ear, the worm in his ear players or whatever I'm not saying it wasn't a bad coaching job but I mean the players play the game and if you watch some of those Bronco games last year they could have won a couple of them there was some bad coaching decisions though I remember on a few occasions from Nathaniel Hackett so week not, one yeah, week one week in one. Seattle yeah so I'm not I'm not uh, protecting him by any means I just uh you know this guy comes out of the broadcast booth. He takes over a head coaching job once again, gets paid a bunch of money, and then he starts running his mouth like that. It just doesn't sit well with me. And you know what? Nathaniel Hackett's got Aaron Rodgers now. Yeah, I think, and that's what he wanted in Denver. I think, I, in my opinion, I think that's oh, why. He got, absolutely, I think that's why he got the job in the first place. Absolutely, I think, the, and now he's got him in the end. I mean, he's still an offensive coordinator now, but uh, he's got Aaron Rodgers now, and I think he's going to rebound. The only difference was the Green Bay Packers; they were not willing to trade Aaron Rodgers uh, going into last season. They were willing to trade you, him this time around. You, looking at that Russell Wilson deal, do you think? Do you regret as a Packer fan? Just think what you, I mean, you're not going to get, I don't know, maybe, do you think you're going to get as much as Wilson with Rodgers there? Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. They had how many picks and players, like, they essentially got seven pieces out of that team. All I know is I am excited for the Jordan Love era. Six foot four, just a stallion of a man. Yeah, well, first day of training camp yesterday, he went seven of 14 and 11 on 11. Yeah, so it wasn't the greatest, but he was also going against the wind, let me say. But uh, yeah, that's our that's our update on Sean Payton in the NFL scene right now. And we will talk maybe more National Football League in a bit. But uh, the news of the day and the talk of the day, the talk of the week, the talk of the last couple months has all been leading up to this big game on Saturday for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It's Touchdown Atlantic in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And the team, uh, they would still be in the air right now, right? I, I would believe so. I think so. 5, 5 yeah. 15 p.m. Yeah, they'd be in the air. They'd probably be around uh, over Quebec. Quebec. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Something like that. And before uh, the team left... The media caught up with Anthony Lanier II, who is expected to be back in the lineup on Saturday. Very exciting to get back out there towards the salt water. I love the water and the ocean, so being back on the East Coast is going to be big. What do you feel like you learned from last year's experience, just that travel and everything and the big game? Well, I'm learning about these, uh, the preparation for it because we're going to be out there and it's a different you know, climate, it's a different atmosphere, so you know, the hydration level has to be higher and just making sure because of the travel time, so it's a lot of preparation that goes into it. What's it been like to be out the last few weeks? Uh, it's sickening. <laughs> you know, missing the guys, missing being out there playing, missing, uh, screaming and yelling at the fans, just miss everything about it. 
Uh, yeah, you know, just a little roll, uh, end up getting tackled in the game, and you know, sometimes it happens like that. There's big guys down there in the, in the trenches, so you know, we tend to roll up each other. Because you played through it a little bit, did you not? Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah. And so the decision was made to get some rest early in the season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, because you know you want to stay healthy for sure, but also you want to think about longevity for the season, because you know, got a lot of games in here, and then once it gets down to crunch time, you want to have everything, in, you know, in the chamber ready to go. <laughs> Back close to, I guess, 100% is a person can't be at this point. Of the hey, he's gonna keep on rolling, right? <laughs> what did you see from this, this defense, uh, especially last game? I mean, they played well against BC. What, what can you add this week? Um, just being out there with my brothers, that's the biggest thing because it's just us being together. Everybody has great attributes, great talents, so it's just putting everybody into place to do what they need to do. And sometimes it happens where you have these people working together better, sometimes you have people who bring more out of each other. And that's how it is. And I'm a person who I make sure that I try and bring something out of everybody when it comes to the game. How tough is it to watch a guy like Ryan Cox go down last week after it seemed like he was starting to turn the corners to pass rush? You know, it's always sad to see a fellow teammate go down, even an opposing teammate go down. But uh, he was learning pretty fast, and he'll be back. You know, not, hopefully it's not too bad. But he came in, he learned, he listened, he started executing, and that's how you see the progression of our room. Coming in right away, coming in ready to teach each other how to be better as athletes. That's the voice of Anthony Lanier II, who will be back in the lineup for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Saturday as the Riders try to give the Argos their first loss of the season. And it's going to be a oh, it's going to be a good game. I love watching those touchdown Atlantic games. It's a 2 p.m. kickoff. Uh, countdown to kickoff with Daniela Ponticelli on the air at 11 a.m. Uh, the fines, the CFL, not Mason fine, no. The the fines from this past week in the Canadian Football League have uh, just come in. Calgary Stampeders middle linebacker Micah Alway has incurred a pair of fines for uh, high hits on opposing quarterbacks. The CFL fined the 29-year-old for uh, you know that a high hit on Ottawa Redblacks quarterback Dustin Crum during the Stampeders' overtime loss this past week. And the league has also issued additional punishment for an incident that occurred uh, late in their Week 6 victory over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, uh, finding Micah Alway for that high hit on Mason Fine. So speaking of Mason Fine, there he is right there. So Micah Alway, his pockets are a whole lot emptier right now. Not a happy camper, well... Play a bit safer than Micah. No, I just can't. We love Micah all the way here on the Sports Cage, friend of the show. Uh, five other players, uh, players rather, also received fines for incidents that took place in Week Seven. Four of which were uh, on high hits. BC Lions defensive back uh, Quincy Magger. I think that's how you Mogger, sorry, that's how you pronounce it. Was punished for a blow that injured Saskatchewan receiver uh, Mitchell Pickton. Red Blacks linebacker Frankie Griffin was cited for a tackle on Stampeders receiver Tommy Lee Lewis, and uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats defensive back Carthel um, Flowers Lloyd was fined for a takedown of Toronto's uh, Javon uh, Leak. So um, there you have it fines this week. Saskatchewan Rough Riders left tackle Brandon Council was also punished for an unnecessary hit on Lions defensive tackle Nathan Cherry. So there you have it. On the former Husky. Yeah, former Husky gets tagged with a 
Fine. No, these guys don't make a lot of money to begin with, so it's not a it's <laughs> not ideal to get fine. Although I don't think it's much. It's like what five hundred thousand bucks or whatever. No, that is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's not a lot, but uh, those are your fines from this past week in the Canadian Football League. And keep it tuned in because we're going to take a break here. But on the other side, we will be giving away some tickets. For Sastel Pick the Score, except instead of taking calls, you know, we only have like five lines here. So instead of taking five callers, we will be uh, taking texts instead this week. We will be taking texts. So 306-936-6262 is the text line. And let's take caller number or texter number... Hmm, what am I feeling? Texter number 19 came to mind for some reason. So texter number 19 will take home uh, the Sastel Pick the Score tickets. It's two tickets to see the Rough Riders play the Ottawa Red Blacks on Sunday, August 6th. And uh, then we might give away some more things as well. Maybe a Regina Rams package. So uh, text up 306-936-6262 right now. Sastel pick the score. You can also have your chance at winning a $200 Sastel gift card. And then from there, maybe a possible chance at a luxury suite at Mosaic Stadium next season. So we'll select our winner on the other side. 306-936-6262. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Back inside the Sports Cage, getting set for press coverage with Glenn Suter. Glenn is in Ottawa today. And uh, we will catch up with him. We are getting a whole lot of texts. Still waiting for texter number 19 here on the text line for Sastel Pick the Score. 306-936-6262. Text us in. This is the thing. You have to text in your name and you have to text in your score prediction. You have to do both of those to be eligible to win these tickets for August 6th. And also will be... Uh, do you know what? Let's do that as well. We're, we, I also have a nice Regina Rams prize package to give away. Season tickets to the U of R Rams, which is five games. They have one uh, preseason game, four regular season games. So you get season tickets to the Rams, and you also get a Regina Rams backpack. Very nice backpack. And outside of that, also some more swag as well. So text in for the tickets and text in for the Rams. And uh, we will uh, select the winner here before the end of the show. And Blaine Wyland, I was looking at this today. I wanted to talk about this. I had it up on my screen. Where did it go, Zinger? It had to do with the National Football League since we were talking NFL. And uh, but we already mentioned we we talked about Dalvin Cook earlier. He's going to be meeting with the New York Jets apparently this weekend. And so I was going to ask you, what are your favorite uniforms out of all these fresh new unis we've been getting in the National Football League this year? And be, before you get into it, I was kind of like looking at all these unis. It's been like a 
a fan's dream this year, this offseason. I mean, don't get me wrong. You will never see me wearing them. Ever. But the Seattle Seahawks recently released their old school blue unis. And I was kind of in my head ranking all these uniforms. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the new creamsicles. And this is all possible now because, well, teams can wear two helmets again. Used to be the case over a decade ago. Then the league went away from it. Now they can do it again. So I ask you, Blaine Wyland, out of all these brand new uniforms that are happening across the National Football League, what one comes to mind the most? What uh, what do you fancy? I'm in going back and forth. There's two that I've kind of been going back and forth. The Creamsicles with mm-hmm. the Buccaneers, and then yesterday with the Houston Oilers. Or oh, yeah. I guess the Tennessee Titans, Houston Oilers, even though they're using them when they play the Houston Texans later this season. I just imagine the outrage is going to come from Houston during that matchup. Hey, but they were the Tennessee Oilers for two seasons. Yes, they so were. Houston fans can't be like, hey, Hey, no, we were wearing these colors while we were in Tennessee before, so you just back off a bit. When Steve McNair, yeah. along with the Eddie Oilers. George. Yeah. Eddie George was yeah. there as well. When they went and they played in Memphis for a couple yeah, seasons. Before that called? Vanderbilt. Yeah. Yeah. So uh I can't wait to see these in action though. Uh the New England Patriots, they released their uniforms. Mm. Uh, that was probably about a month or two ago. The the new red or the red ones that they used to wear. That the best thing about this is these are all retro jerseys. Like I'm I'm the guy when it comes to jerseys. I prefer the retro ones. Oh, there, there absolutely. Has, there hasn't been too many new jerseys I like. Absolutely, my friend. We're on the same yeah. same wavelength. I think I've been saying this for years. The Philadelphia Eagles they they got to go back oh, to the Reggie White, the Kelly Green, R- Randall Rand- Cunningham. Yeah. Randall like, Cunningham. They, they oh. got to they got to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. They are so stuck in the early two thousands. Those Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Eagle uniforms, that dark green. Like, yeah. Oh, that's just so outdated. That that. I reminds, don't mind them, but I agree that yeah. the Kelly Green, like we're talking about the eighties, Randall yeah. Cunningham. That's all I think about with and Reggie White, of course. Reggie but White. Those are the two guys I think about uh, uh, with those jerseys. But I agree, they should go back to those ones. There were some other ones too that. They're slipping, uh, slipping my mind. The New York Jets, a couple or a few days ago, nothing really special. They're the all white ones, all white yeah. with the with the older logo, mm-hmm. jet font. Uh, looking across the oh, this is one I wanted to ask you about. I mentioned it to Ballsy quickly the other day. <laughs> the Indianapolis Colts. Did you see that one? Oh, with, with the, the black, but the black helmet. What is? Do you know what that reminds me of? Yeah. It reminds me of like having your friend Tommy over to play some Madden, but you want to create a team quickly before you play a game, and you just slap together a bunch of uniforms, and you just slap together a black helmet on the team, and then you take the field. That's what it looks like. It looks just so ugly. Like I'm the I like to consider myself as the uniform doctor. They call me Doctor Uni, and when I saw that. I that's not a uni though. That's a that's a lid. Yeah, but I, but, I understand but, what you mean. But though. it's a part. But it's a part of the the uniform. It's a part of their alternate look. Uniform apparel. I get it's, you. Like I don't I don't like when people say, uh, "Are you excited to see the new jerseys?" Like it's more than just the jerseys. Like it's the pants. It's the helmet. Well, there's yeah, but there's also different combinations. Like, um, no, you know what I mean though. When like I know what you w- mean. When like a, a team comes out with a, a brand new uniform set, for example, uh, the creamsicle look. Uh, 
Well, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't like when people are like, hey, are you excited to see the new jerseys on, on, on Sunday? Yes, but it's not just the jerseys. It's the helmet. It's the pants. It's the uniform. It's not no, just right. the jersey. In most cases, you're right. Like, yeah. they do change, like they do change the lids and the jerseys and the pants. Sometimes they just change the jerseys. But uh, no, I, I know what you're saying. I'm just a, I'm a low-life geek, I think, maybe. But uh, no, I uh, there was another uniform that came to mind. It slipped my mind. If I remember it, uh, we'll talk about it. But we have a whole lot of texts here on the text line. And we will select the winner coming up here in a few moments. But we do have to take a break because we have TSN's Glenn Suter waiting in the wings. He's in Ottawa getting set to call a big game tomorrow night between the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Ottawa Red Blacks. Bo Levi Mitchell back on the field tomorrow for the Tabbies. Hmm, it's going to be a fun one to watch on Friday night for Bonnet. Let's round the bases. Time for today's Sports Cage Regina Red Sox report on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Yes, let's round those bases. The Red Sox report brought to you by the Canadian Brew House, which is also the sponsor of today's show. Big shout out to the Canadian Brew House. Just a picture perfect place to take in a game this weekend. Maybe take in some CFL action this week. Uh, starting tomorrow in Ottawa. We'll talk about that game in a second here. But uh, the Regina Red Sox, they are looking for a win coming off back-to-back losses versus the Lethbridge Bulls. They're back at it tonight at Curry Field. The Weyburn Beavers are in town. We uh, just uh, chatted with Cameron Brantley, outfielder from the Regina Red Sox in hour one. Seemed like a really nice individual from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, However, he was born in Massachusetts. That's why he is a Boston Red Sox fan, and he is a New England Patriots fan. Learned that today from Cameron Brantley. So you can see Cameron Brantley in action tonight at 7.05 p.m. at Curry Field as the Sox do take on the Beavers, the first of two. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out. Time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. Yes, 5.35 on a Thursday. That means it is time for press coverage for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. TSN's Glenn Suter joins us here on the Western Pizza Hotline from Ottawa, the nation's capital. How's it looking out east? You're not quite as east as what the riders will be, but you're still in the beautiful city of Ottawa today, Glenn. Yeah, it, it is fantastic out here. It's uh, beautiful. I, I love the city. It's a nice, clean city. I, I, I take the politics out of it when I get here, you know, so there's no... <laughs> there's, I'm, I'm not going to be angry the whole time I'm here. But uh, you know what? Uh, there's a buzz going on in this city about Dustin Crump. And they're selling T-shirts. There's nicknames. He's played two and a half games. And, you know, Zinger, this is why the young quarterbacks playing in our league is not a crisis. It's, it's an opportunity. It's a chance for these young guys to show that they can play. And some will take longer than the other others. And some might not make it. Some might not have what it takes. But... You know, in order to find that out, you have to see these young guys play. And Dustin Crumb's creating a buzz here in the nation's capital. 
Yeah, the Crumminator. That's my nickname for him. I'm not sure what the others are, but I like Crumminator, Crumb Nation instead of our nation. Why not Crumb Nation? That's I don't know. But uh, I was already looking forward to this game tomorrow night, but uh, things got a whole lot more spicier, if you will, because on the other side of the field, the Hamilton Tiger Cats will have their franchise quarterback back in the lineup when they take on the Ottawa Red Blacks on Friday Night Football tomorrow night. Now, speaking of young quarterbacks and such, Glenn, and speaking of opportunities for them to play, Taylor Powell, I'm not going to say he was lights out last week, but he did show some promise. He showed that he could you know, hang in there. Taylor Powell will not get another opportunity because Bo Levi Mitchell will be back in the lineup. So I ask you, is this a case of desperation for the Hamilton Tiger Cats? Or is it, hey, he's healthy enough. He's our quarterback one. We're giving him all the money. He's going to be out there. Well, he's QB1, and, and he is by resume alone, yep. um, you know, winning percentage alone. Uh, he's, he's still got the best winning percentage in the game's history. Um, you know, so I know I know a lot of people across the country, based on the first two games as a tie cat, um, have sort of retired Bo Levi Mitchell. I, I think a lot of people have. I think they've sort of said, you know what, he was with TSN at the Grey Cup. He's probably half foot in, half one of his feet out, and he's going to retire. And he's not the same guy, and all that. I, I don't I don't fall for that. I'm not falling for that. I, I think Bo's got a lot of football left in him. I had a talk with him this week. Uh, he's real excited about this game. It feels like the team has had a great week of practice. They tested him out uh, for two weeks now, not just this, this past week. They've been testing him for two weeks, and he is solid physically. Uh, you got to keep in mind too, and you, you know, you know this when you when you looked at the first two games that he played. He's on a new team with a new offense, new coordinator, new receiving core, new O line. And he's a veteran, so that's not an excuse. He had all the training camp, the preseason, to get to know each other and all those things. But his first two teams were Winnipeg and Toronto. Those are the top two defenses in the league. So he plays against the top two defenses in the league and looks average and then gets hurt. So based on those two games or the – I'm, I'm going to put more weight – in the 150 that he's played before those two and say that Bo's got a lot of game left in him. How many, say, just hypothetical here. I'm a hypothetical type of guy. That's what I do. We're in radio, so that's what I do. Say that uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, you know, starts for the next, I don't know, six, seven, eight games, and still the results are pretty much the same as what it was in the first couple of weeks of the season. Do you think at that point it's safe to say that maybe it's time for Bo Levi Mitchell to, you know, hang up the cleats? Well, yeah, I guess, you know, if we're going to, you know, look at that and look at the future and think, you know, if he if he struggles and the team struggles, um, you know, where where does that put him in his career? I, yeah, I, I think that discussion will happen and it, it won't it probably won't take 10 games. It'll take three or four average games and if he's you know even even good not great i think people will start that conversation but you know i i still think he's got game in him and you know what's the bigger surprise for me with hamilton is that their defense has underachieved big time they've got a great front seven and that front seven has underachieved this year yeah and the reason why i asked that question is because i was kind of 
I don't want to say excited, but I was kind of excited to see, you know, Taylor Powell get more opportunities. And the last thing I want to see is a struggling Bo Levi Mitchell, you know, just kind of getting by, not really making, you know, big plays. He's just out there because of his resume. I don't want to see that to the, ex- you know, to the expense of, you know, re- having a Taylor Powell sitting on the bench watching him when he could be out there, you know, grooming the next generation. That's kind of why I'm asking the question because uh, that's like the worst case scenario in my mind. I don't want to see a struggling Bo Levi Mitchell when we could be seeing a young guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like Taylor Powell. uh, Well, here, here's, here's some information. You're going to, you're going to absolutely love the fact that he is probably going to play some, some snaps, Tomorrow night. Good. So nice. even even though Bo's going to play, and Bo's going to start the game, uh, Taylor Powell apparently will also see the field. So, you know, I, I think it's a game you're going to want to watch for a lot of reasons, and I can't really divulge any more of, of the mm-hmm. inside information until kickoff tomorrow because there's going to be some interesting, uh, you know, interesting uh, offensive game plan game planning that you'll see in this game tomorrow night and. You know, Taylor Powell is going to be part of it, and uh, he's not, you know, just tattooed to the bench uh, because Bo's back. Uh, We'll probably see him as well. Yeah, we will talk touchdown Atlantic here, but I want to mention as well, looks like receiver Shaq Evans is going to be making his uh, Ottawa Reblack debut tomorrow, as well as linebacker Javon Santos Knox. Defensive back Carrie L. Brooks. So all the horses are back in this game. Bo Levi back, all those guys back for Ottawa. It's going to be a fun one on Friday Night Football. This is press coverage for Quality Tire here on the Western Pizza Hotline, TSN's Glenn Suter. And, yeah, this is a big game, of course, on Saturday, Glenn. Uh, I was kind of balancing this out in my head throughout the week. I was kind of coming up with scenarios on how the Riders can just come away with a nice win on Saturday because wouldn't that just be sweet Had uh, hand the Toronto Argonauts their first loss of the season and uh, I keep coming back to the point of okay but you know Chad Kelly's playing pretty good football Mason Fine you know basically a long way around it how do the Saskatchewan Rough Riders win this game on Saturday give our fan base some hope well, here's here's the good news, and here's what I, I really thought was, uh, you know, an excellent sort of step forward for Saskatchewan against BC. Yeah. Uh, their their front seven got more pressure on the quarterback in that game than they had really all year. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm not just talking about the stats and talking about sacks and that they were low in, in the sack department uh, going into that BC game, and they just, uh, what did they get total on that four or five in that one? Mm-hmm. So... You know, I, I think they had maybe their best game of the year, front seven on defense, and that's and that's a pretty good old line in BC. And, and Vernon Adams has some mobility, so you know when he got knocked out, it was Dane Evans, and then um, they still they still kept getting pressure. So that that's the good news. Uh, you know, I think the secondary and their defense is fine to keep them close, and as long as you're close in one possession, which by the way, ten of the last twelve games in the CFL have been decided in the final three minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, once again, our widget delivers. That's right. And, and preach, if, you know, preach, baby. Riders, <laughs> yeah, and that's right. If the, if the riders can get it to the final three minutes in one possession, either way, then you know that's that's sort of uh, that's sort of the the formula. And you know, but here's the here's the bottom line. Here's what they have to do. Mason Fine has to find the end zone. I mean, you 
you know, the the you get into plus territory. I'm not sure what, what the red zone percentage is off the top of my head, but I don't think it's very good. They didn't score a touchdown last last week, and you know they gotta they gotta find a way to punch it in and, and, and make some plays, and um, especially when they're in plus territory. And and Mason, I thought did a lot of great things. Um, now he got he's got to start looking at pushing the ball deep and, and taking some shots down the field and. And letting the playmakers, and there's some getting healthy, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, as far as receive, the receiving court goes, uh, let them go up and, and win some jump balls and get in the end zone. Do you think maybe uh, it comes down to maybe the offensive play calling then with Kelly Jeffrey as far as, you know, maybe uh, giving him, giving his quarterback more opportunity to throw it downfield? Or do you think it's more so just uh, uh, Mason needs to play more freely? You know, I, I think they probably, you know, sort of, and I, I'm speculating here, yeah. but I, I would suggest that they they likely said, you know, not not to be conservative. I don't think any coach really even uses that word. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think what they do is they is they say take you know take the easy one, take take the the thing to the back, take take that quick slant. You're going to see some pressure. Remember, the Lions got after them. They sent a lot of pressure. And Toronto saw that video, so he's got to anticipate that they're going to try and send a ton of pressure, and that means quick throws. Sometimes you could throw quick and throw a fade route. That takes you to a deep ball, but most of the time you're not going to block them all, so you have to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand. So I I think there's that, and and Mason was probably thinking that too. Just distribute the ball, be a point guard, and we can. our defense keeps us close, and then we can just – punch it in and move the ball, move the chains that way. But, again, sometimes, you know, Matt Dunnigan always used to say to me before games, we'd meet at midfield when we were in stretch. And Matt would walk up, I'd say hi, and he, you know, I always had great respect for him as a player. And he would always say to me as a free safety, he'd say, you know, you never go wrong when you go long. (laughs) He would just plant that seed, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. He would plant a seed so that I would back up a couple of steps and every time I aligned on second down. And, you know, so I, I just think taking those shots deep for a young guy like Mason Fine, first of all, you got great playmakers that could make the play anyway. But if you don't make the play and it's a knockdown or it's incomplete, the defense has that in their mind and, and you, it's amazing how the intermediate routes start to open up at when, when they planted that seed. Yeah. Is Chad Kelly the real deal? Have you seen enough of him? I mean, you know, he has to keep doing it. He has to do it when he's nicked. He has to do yep. it when they've lost a couple. You know, he has to do it when... I, I, but we've seen a lot of boxes checked. We've seen the the guy who, who gets out and slings it. We see the strong arm. We see the deep ball. We see that he can throw a pick. In fact, he can throw a pick six and then come right back and be good on the next drive. That's tough. That's tough for young quarterbacks. They struggle with that quite often because it, you know, one bad mistake turns into three bad series and then a bad game. But he he has been able to fight that off. So so far, I am very impressed. In fact, I would put it this way: he's almost called his shot because in the off season he was boldly predicting he's going to be great. And I thought, boy, he is being, you know, he's bordering on arrogance here. I, I hope he can walk it like he talk it. Yeah. Uh, so far. So far, Zinger, he has, and so far, I would put him in the first third of the season as the front runner for MOP. Yeah, Michael Ball and I uh, did our 
one third of the season award honors yesterday, and we both had uh, Chad Kelly as the MOP because uh, I mean, hard to argue. So, uh, Glenn, you're doing the game on Friday, and then are you off to uh, Touchdown Atlantic to do the the big game on Saturday in Halifax? I'm not, and I'm disappointed. I'd love to do it, but uh, I did it last year. Dwayne Ford's oh. turn. Um, so Dwayne will be calling. Dwayne will be calling color on that. And remember, Zinger, you know, I, I don't want to bring it back any bad news, but mm-hmm. last year, last year it was the touchdown Atlanta game where the Ryder season went completely sideways. Yes. I, I, I think this year, with an upset, it could go in the exact opposite direction in a real positive way if they go in there. And, and upset the Argos. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And sorry, I didn't want to rub any salt in the wounds there. I kind of just assumed that Glenn Suter was going to Halifax, but no, you're not. You're not going to Halifax. But uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be uh, my last question for you, Glenn. Uh, kind of was reading some things this week with the potential of maybe you know if the Atlantic Schooners did happen, the likely spot for a stadium would be at St. Mary's University. I just want to get your thought. Do you like that idea if uh, the team did come to be? Do you like the idea of like uh, maybe building it right there on St. Mary's University? And I, apolo- uh, I apologize if we talked about this on Tuesday, but I just want to get your take no. on it. No, we didn't. We didn't. And, yeah. I, you know, I, I think, yeah, I, I like the idea. I mean, you know, there was early on in, when they built the new Winnipeg Stadium, there was all kinds of grumbling about the fact that it was kind of out of the way. And, you know, it was out by the university. It was hard to get in and out of and things like that. And, you know, and, and that's disappeared over the last three years because it's a beautiful stadium. The fans love it. Their team is great. And, you know, they, they, they no one talks about it anymore. I, I think sometimes, you know, the the gloom and doomers that are on the hamster wheel that criticize the league and find new ways to do it all the time will find a reason to be, um, you know, negative about uh, what could be a potentially a fantastic addition. I don't care where they build the stadium out there, Zinger. <laughs> yeah, me either. <laughs> I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd love it to be downtown Halifax. That'd be great. But you know what? If if they build it in Moncton or they build it out there and we have the 10th team and, you know, we can, we can make annual trips to one of the most beautiful areas and, you know, communities in our country. Uh, I'm all in. I'm voting. Yes. (laughs) Count me in too. I'm going to cheat and vote twice. That's what I'm going to (laughs) do. Glenn Suter here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Hey, I'll let you go, Glenn. Uh, have a good call tomorrow night. It's going to be a fun one to watch Friday Night Football, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Zinger. Take care. That's Glenn Suter, TSN's Glenn Suter on the Western Pizza Hotline. Press coverage for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. Wrapping up the show next, you are listening to the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And this day in sports history brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. Let's go back to July 27th of 1999. Tony Hawk is the first skateboarder to land a 900. Now I have no idea what that is, but it happened on this day. Back in 1999, do you consider skateboarding a sport, Blaine Wyland? 
Uh, yeah, you know what? Actually, it's kind of ironic. A classmate of mine's daughter finished in the uh, medals at the uh, X Games recently. Ooh. That's how old I am. Wow. So, yeah, I guess it is. I guess it is. A, I consider it a sport. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to consider it like a major. Like, it's a sport. Yeah. It's more. I mean, some people more treat, so than like darts. Yeah. I yeah. mean, some people treat it as a hobby. It's one of those things. It can be a hobby, but it's also a sport. Yeah, but it takes a lot of talent. Oh, yeah. I Anything think, that takes physical talent, I think, should be considered a sport. I no? remember when I was 18 and I rolled my ankle skateboarding right before football practice. My football coach was like, you're not skateboarding again. <laughs> I didn't that year. I didn't really. Yeah, put your skateboard away, Blaine. And, uh, yeah, so Tony Hawk, grace in today's This Day in sports, uh, sports History. I'll tell you what. Getting closer to game day, Michael Ball will be live in Halifax tomorrow. Looking forward to that show. Uh, we will be broadcasting a live show from Ryderville in Halifax tomorrow. And the start time is like 6 p.m. Halifax time, so 6 to 9 p.m. Don't get confused, though. You don't need to worry about that. It's the regular time here on our airwaves, 3 to 6 p.m. So the sports cage back at it tomorrow at 3 o'clock, live from Halifax, leaving you with... Center for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Peter Godber, who caught up with the media before uh, they left out to Halifax. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, just, right. just a hand injury. You know, the guys the guys worked hard. They uh, they put in the hours and, they, and they're physical. And we just got to, you know, continue to get better up front. And uh, the, guys, the guys held it down, and I'm excited to get back with the boys. Have you ever been to the Maritimes, or is this your first time heading out there? So I went to high school, uh, you know, when I was in grade 11, but I haven't been back since. So what do you remember from that? What are you kind of excited to maybe see out there? You know, I saw, I think I, I think it was Theodore the Tugboat I saw when I was there. So I'm not sure if he's still there. It's been uh, it's been 10 years, but I hope he is still there because I, I love to see him. I love to eat some lobster. I mean, but we, you know, make no mistake. We came there to, to win a football game, and, and that's all our mindset is. It's going to be a lot of rest and a lot of, uh, you know, watching film and talking talking it out with the guys, how we th- see things, and, and we're there to play football. We, uh, we know how important the center is when it comes to calling out the blitzes and everything, helping protections. Does your job change a little bit with having a quarterback who doesn't have as many starts like Mason Fine or no? No, not at all. Uh, you know, in football, the only thing you worry about is your job and, and doing your thing. So Mason Fine's a great quarterback. I actually played against him for multiple years in college. He played at North Texas. I played at Rice. And I don't think I beat Mason Fine once. He was a, a great player in college, and he's a great player in the pros. And you know, we just gotta we gotta do a good job protecting him because he can really play football. He's a good football player. What have you seen from him in the college and the pros now that translates into him being a pro starter? You know, he's a great leader. All, all quarterbacks uh, have similar, uh, all great quarterbacks have similar traits with the leadership, and, and nothing phases him. If he gets hit, he doesn't get up and blame the O line, or he's just pats on the ass and say, "Hey, next play, man." You know, he's a great leader, and he, he puts in the time and the preparation. He's here early and he stays late, so. You know, you admire that in a quarterback or in a teammate. So we uh, we really trust Mason. The relationship, the relationship between the center and the quarterback, is that something that takes time to establish or is that something that can be done quick? You know, a, a little bit. It, you know, it depends on the you know the scheme and, and stuff like that. It can be done quick. But, uh, you know, with Trevor Harris, and uh, there's a lot of times where, you know, he would feel comfortable changing my point or, you know, just little things like that where you're working with a center. Uh, you know, Mason's learned a lot from Trevor, and, and I'm sure Mason will do the. He's done the exact same thing. But yeah, the quarterback-center relationship is important because uh, you got to know where your hot is, and you got to know where you're protected as a quarterback, and you got to trust the center to identify the defense correctly. I'm sure it was asked up at the top, but what, what's it been like to sit out the last few weeks? You know, it's been tough. I, I haven't missed a uh, football game since before COVID, so it's uh, it's frustrating not being out there. And it's one of those things where you, you want to get back out as soon as possible. 
and um, I'm just happy to be back playing football. With, uh, with the injury, what it was, were you still, still able to stay in shape otherwise? I mean, legs and whatnot? Yeah, I was able to work out and, and uh, you know, do everything else besides uh, play football. And, you know, there's a few limitations what I could do, but I, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty healthy and, and well-conditioned coming back. And, you know, it, it's only been it's only been three games, so it's uh, I still feel pretty good. Fair to say that a hand injury is a lot worse for a center than the other lineman. <laughs> uh, you know, I, yeah, I guess I guess if it was your right hand, then it, it would be, but uh, it could be a lot worse. But no, any any hand injury is bad for old lineman. But you know, at the end of the day, nobody cares, and we're all playing through injuries, so that's the life of a football player.